Hey, this is Jeremy Hahn. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. More baritone. I like the, when it went a little deeper. Well, I'm in I'm in Dad's office, so it's the, the ceilings are higher than when I'm at home, and it's Your, yeah, your voice sounds roomier. It's it, it's a bigger area, and I'm not living large. Well, well you're dap. You always live large. <laughs> My boy, <laughs> throw your panties on the stage. How could you hate Tom Jones? She hates Tom Jones. Yes. And she hates hates that everybody always says that he sounds black. Oh. By the way, I need to ask you, Renee sent me a Facebook messenger, like, saying something to the effect, like, you're the man or something. Yes. And when she sent, when she showed me she was going to hit send, she goes, Jason won't have any idea what this is about. But it was about... It was after we got here, maybe Monday night, and and it was after a certain forum post. Oh, okay. And um, when I read it aloud to her, she gave me this look, and basically everything that she said, you kind of put on in your response. So nice. You guys are seeing eye to eye on that, so that was Back. what that 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 pound was for. Nice. All right. Cool. Uh-uh. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you have to actually visit the forum every now and then, Vince. Too busy on the Facebook. This is you true. are. You, I love <laughs> <really>. <laughs> Facebook Messenger is our new way of communicating. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I go from like zero to 120 in, in a week. Yeah, you do. That's fucked up. The show should be canceled any week now. We should do the show on Facebook. <gasps> oh, yeah. Can you do that? We could do a Google Hangout. Yeah. Nah, we didn't like that, that one time we tried. It's much better now, though. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll look into that. Can we do the video so we can see your pretty faces? Sure. Can we introduce ourselves? We we should. Um, hey, everybody. 11 o'clock comics. 316. I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Oh, we got the initial now. Oh, snap. The initial Yeah. You've been promoted. And I promise you guys, if you give me at least two or three more years, I will deliver on my Kickstarter. I'm Tony Harris. Oh, that's money. raw. More money? That is so raw. Wait, did I hear somebody shuffling in the background? <laughs> I do, I do. I don't think Wait, he can jump on now that Tony Harris will He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Who is that? What? Huh? Who is that in the background? Who is this? It's our new fourth yeah. dude, our fourth co-host. Oh, I know who that is. It's the the amazing uh, and incredibly gifted hands and mind behind the forthcoming Rocket Raccoon Ooh. from Marvel, among other things. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Scotty Young. What's up, everybody? Oh, what up? So glad, so Ret- glad to have you returning here. Returning friend and guest. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having because me, guys. This is Scotty's third time on the show. Please. You do keep count, don't Scotty, you? Scotty, that means you're on 1% of all the shows. Yes. Oh, nice. You're a 1%er, bro. Great, we're, back, we're back to the fucking numbers. One percenter. That's funny. <laughs> and you don't have to bilk your fans out of thousands of dollars to get cheap comic books. All you gotta do is head on over to discount. Now, see, they, they, they can't hear I you are. Oh, he's heroes. I hope he is at heroes. Oh, he is at heroes. Yes. 
All you have to do is head on over to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you and your friends and your loved ones and everybody that backs you can get amazing discounts on comic books, 35 to God knows how much off, usually up to 50, even more. Get this, this month's specials. From Image, Rick Remender is at the head of the deadly class. It's the first trade called Reagan Youth. This sucker was drawn by Wesley Craig, uh, colored by Lee Lowridge. Cover price, as we always say for those first-time Image collections, is a very respectable $9.99. But for you, you can get it at half price, $4.99. That's amazing. And over at DC, our good buddy Will Pfeiffer. He's leading the Teen Titans with Kenneth Rocafort in tow. First issue comes out very soon. You can pre-order it now. Cover price two ninety nine. Your price, David. What's what are they getting it for? Uh, Come on. I, 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 oh my God! A dollar forty nine. I was told there'd be no math. Jeez. Last but not least. We got scolded for not talking about this last week, but it's only because it's coming in our boxes and we didn't get them yet. From IDW, it's G.I. Joe versus the Transformers, or mm-hmm. by its normal title, Transformers versus G.I. Joe. Written by Tom Scholey and John Barber, drawn by Tom Scholey. It's gonna be amazing. Cover price three ninety nine, your price dollar ninety nine. Yep. DCBS does not mind late orders or order additions. Get your previous cheap, $1.12. Remember the URL because that's all you need to get cheap comics. DCBService.com. Go there. They're the best. Oh, yes, they are. Take it away. Welcome, Scotty. What's up, guys? Good to have you glad- back, man. Yeah, man. It's uh, I'm always glad to come back and chat. I always feel like it's not been as long as it has been, but... It has been a while, yeah. What are you drinking, Scotty? It could be every week if you wanted to. It's a little busy. He's got treats to go to. We should have called him. He's going to have dinner with Bendis. Scotty Young, the official artist of Free Comic Book Day. I was this year. That was awesome. Yeah. How'd that come about? Diamond uh, just contacted me and asked me to do it. Um, You know, they always have somebody do it, and... uh, I think uh, one of my favorite artists, uh, Sergio Aragonis, has done it before. And um, I mean, obviously, Free Comic Book Day is going a long time. I think Jeff Smith did one year. And well, there's been a decent amount of people over the years to do it. And they reached out and, and asked me to do it. And I was happy to happy to jump in. And, um, you know, they, they said they, they do a poster and a T-shirt image and just wanted something to kind of encapsulate kind of capture that feeling of free comic book day and, and kids and readers doing comics. So yeah, it was, it was, I was very flattered and honored to be asked. And it was, it was really cool to be at, be at a free comic book day where everybody was wearing the t-shirts and the posters and on the, on the book. And, and I had a cover cover on the, the Marvel free comic book day book. So there was a lot of fun to be had on free comic book day. Well, I'm going to follow your lead because you taught me how to say Chris Bocello. Yes. So if you say Sergio Aragones, well, I'm going to say it that way too. Well, how do you usually say it? You know, I mess it up every time I say it. You, you I, mess I up say, words like bed. Like somehow it's, it's true. Like, yeah, it's true. true. I'm going to go to, I, son, you need, it's time for you to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad, bad. No, I usually, I usually say, um, I used to say, now you're going to laugh. Like back in the day when we didn't have the internet, I used to say Aragonis. Mm. Oh boy. That's, that's just totally messed yeah, up. Yeah, but I, I, I say it different shit. every time I say it. I know, yeah. I know. So I'm, you said it 
Aragones. That's how I say it. Yeah, Aragones is how I think it is. Now, yeah. I by no means am, am an expert in his name. I, I'm, but you're, I'm going with that. Better than me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know some, I, well, listen, saying that I'm better than you with names, Vince. <laughs> Come on, Scott. Listen, I know that you're, <laughs> I know you're on Facebook now and you're getting, you're getting excited, but we need to keep the name thing all, all the way real. You, you're pretty busted at it. <laughs> terrible. I'm terrible. You're, you're right. I can't even argue with you. I can't, I can't, it's I can't even agree with you. Oh, see, that was a double whammy. <laughs> Kept it in the Sergio. There you go. I just want to know what Scotty's drinking. Oh, are we doing drinks? I am drinking. Um, I came home. I was all ready to crack open one of my angry orchards, and um, I was out. So I dug around in the fridge, and I pulled out first. I had um, Ace. I really like hard ciders. So there's Ace Joker Hard Cider, but I cracked that open. That may have been in my fridge too long. Um, so that may that kind of tasted like foot. Um, so <laughs> I am now there was one Stella Artois Cider or Cidre or Oh nice. Yeah, they had to call it a Cidre premium cider. Everybody's getting in the cider game. Oh now. yeah. Um so I'm having a, a Stella cider. Cool. We're literally out of everything. Like it was either going to be this, or I was just going to have to like bring up shots and do shots. <laughs> are you, now, are you? Tell me something. Are you drinking it out of your baller or shot caller glasses? Um, I don't own anything that's not a uh, baller or shot caller glasses. <laughs> yeah. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Respect. Dap, what are you drinking on vacation this fine week? Um, I am finishing off the gnarly head merlot that I opened up yesterday. Nice. How, have you tried that, that Game of Thrones joint you sent me a picture of? No, that was Downton Abbey. I did not. Oh, I'm sorry, not yet. Downton Abbey, my bad. Um, I did not try that, but I did pick up two bottles of a, um, a North Carolina, um, made wine, which I may have next week. Is it called a Kakalaka Cab? It is not. See, I, that's, <laughs> they, they need to get on that. For reals. That is true. That I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking, Obo? Uh, I'm drinking a little Close de los Siete, the, uh, the Argentinian table wine that we often drink. The official, the official wine of the Woodhouse. The official household. house of the, uh, the official vino of the Woodhouse, yes. Still have to try that. Yes, you do. When you come visit this summer. I, I was just going to say, yeah, I might have yeah. to have some when I come over. And Maybe and I'll what? bring some to Heroes. Oh. Scotty, will flash. you be Heroes? I will be. Exactly. Yes. You just won't be? Vince. Wait, 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 is that official? Is that official? I mean, it's, it's I, like, no, Jason just assumes. It's five weeks away. There's no way Vince is coming. Dude, I'm, I'm trying. I trying. I'm trying to, I'm trying to better myself here. <laughs> Let's see. Better myself or go to Heroes? Hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a tough choice. See, I but anyway. that going no, to Heroes since, equals bettering oneself. Since nobody cares, cause I'm not a boo in, in quotation marks. Oh. I, I, I'm drinking Deer Park Sparkling Lemon Natural Spring Water. Maybe that's oh why. Maybe that's why. It's Kill just me now. But oh. it, you're not booing. Body's in, a temple. In, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you're half the used to be. I know. <sighs> hey, Scott, mm-hmm. let's talk about Rocky Raccoon, that free comic book oh, date joint. Okay. I mean, aside from the, the gorgeous cover. Mm-hmm. 
I, I love this Adam Archer's art. It's pretty cool. I think it's really sweet. That's yeah, fun stuff. I mean, it's not you. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I, I love your stuff too, but this is like a different take on it. This is a more, um, wow. I don't want to say Disney-esque, but it, it's a more consumable take on it. Like if, if you were going to pitch Rocket Raccoon as having no connection to Guardians of the Galaxy and you said, well, let's make a, a raccoon that's in space. Let's make a cartoon and pitch it to the networks. Mm-hmm. This is the way you would do it, I think. Yeah. It's, it's definitely fun. I think it's, um, it was definitely fun. I think it was a, you know, a good move for free comic book day and, uh, yeah. to have something that was definitely kind of, uh, open for everybody. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun stuff. Is this the yeah. first thing that you've just written and not drawn yourself? What? I didn't He's drawn. Draw, I didn't no, write, he, he didn't write the I didn't free comic book day one. Oh, you didn't? Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you did. No, no, no. The fr- that, yeah, the free comic book day one was in works, um, a long time ago. So yeah, okay. I had nothing, nothing to do with that. Um, uh, no, the, I've written, um, I, the Magneto miniseries that I wrote, I didn't draw. So okay. I did a four issue Magneto miniseries a couple of years ago. Um, that Clay Mandrew. Yes. Um, I wrote, uh, Deadpool team up that Ramon Perez drew. Yes. Actually, dude, mm-hmm. that's the, I forgot. I should have remembered that because that's, you introduced me to Ramon yeah. at the Hyatt bar in yep. Chicago. And that was before he was quote unquote Ramon Perez. And you were like, this dude's going to be big someday. And he, he had just done that, that, that book with you. And that was before Tale of Sand came yep. out. So yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So I did that. And then there was some other short stories like, uh, there for, there for a while in the X universe, um, during like whatever kind of events they would have each year, they always had, they would kind of have that, uh, those issues where, um, they'd have just some short stories in them. Like, the Messiah complex and, and, uh, uh, a few of those events around that time, um, that, uh, I wrote a couple different short stories. I think, uh, Dan Panosian, uh, drew one. I drew one myself. So no, I've, I've, uh, I've definitely written, uh, and then I wrote that, the A babies versus X babies one shot that, that <laughs> Guru Hero drew. Uh, the That's studio. right. Yep. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. So actually, yeah, I've I've actually written a decent amount. More, I've written more stuff for other people than I've actually drawn myself, um, and I I really enjoy it. <laughs> There's something uh, super gratifying about thinking the idea up, typing it, mm-hmm. and uh, walking the fuck away. <laughs> huh. <laughs> yeah. Someone yeah. else deal with this. Do you ever get evil in that mode? Like, say you're thinking of a possible outcome to a certain situation, and you're like, I'm gonna do this just to push this guy to the limit and see see how he, he uh, either puts up. You know what I mean? I like have a something horse crashing crazy. through a bunch of Kirby tech. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah, very, very graphically intensive. Well, yeah, know, in my, in my, um, Magne- I mean, my Magneto miniseries was filled with stuff that I would have been, uh, pretty mad to draw. I mean, not mad as in this would not look good at the end, but mad as in, oh my God, this is going to take me a while. Um, I think the, the first issue I have, um, you know, this is at the time when Magneto was just, you know, kind of flipped over to the X-Men side and was kind of partners with them all. And, and, um, he was kind of being framed up for, uh, for kind of a massacre on an anti-mutant kind of rally or something, you know, like same kind of storyline. There's a lot of, but, um, uh, the Avengers call him up and, and Tony and Captain America call him in and he goes into the Avengers mansion and they kind of have a little back and forth and, uh, they kind of start threatening him a little bit and, and he just kind of stands up and it's like, you really you kind of like, you don't understand what I could do to you. And then the camera jumps outside the building 
of the Avengers, <laughs> Avengers Tower and, uh, are completely surrounding the building are semi trucks and cars and motorcycles. So he's basically taking cars off the street and has surrounded the building with them. So at any time you just fire him in the building like missiles and, you know, so not only am I making him draw a down shot of, uh, <laughs> of, of a city. Uh, but it, you know, I'm also making them draw cars in perspective floating in the air with buildings underneath and, uh, you know, so, you know, fun stuff like that. And I'd have, I think I had him throw, I had by the end of the mini series, there's Joseph is back. So it's like kind of Magneto versus Magneto. And, uh, and I had one Magneto in Chicago take the train, the subway and shoot it out of the ground while the other Magneto reached up and threw a plane down at the other Magneto. So, um, <laughs> you know, that definitely was doing some big fun things that, uh, I, I find to be difficult. Um, but also that I think, you know, it's fun when I'm writing for somebody else that has, you know, kind of the skill set that Clay Mann has, uh, because I can, I can write things that I might not be able to actually pull off or pull off convincingly or, or just in a style that I'm, you know, I, I really enjoy drawing in certain styles, but sometimes I have ideas that fit other styles. And uh, so it's it's nice to do do that. So I try not to get too evil, but sometimes I can't help it. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I, I have to say that uh, I, I always wonder, like when it, someone like yourself or or Jeff Lemire or Matt Kent, like guys that are or Latour, like guys that are both writing for other people and and also obviously probably better known for being an illustrator yourself, like what that process is like, it's pretty clear that you have fun with it. Like, I, I wonder if it must be frustrating for, for some, like I know like Kent has said that he's such a control freak that, mm-hmm. that it was really hard for him at first to ever even contemplate handing over one part of the process to somebody else. And he's clearly gotten past that, right? Cause he's doing a lot of writing for DC now, but like, I wonder like what, what that's like. I mean, so, so all things being equal, then would it be fair to say you'd rather write for someone else than, like draw for someone else, even though that's what you do more often. It's definitely, I'm moving, I'm moving into this, the place I think, especially now that I've been working on rocket for a while, um, that I, I definitely am going to, I see the path being, if I draw, it'll be more for myself, but I could see myself writing a lot more for not only myself, but others. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, at least for the, at least for a while, I'm having such a good time drawing my own scripts that, um, I think I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to attempt to shoot for that for a while, you know, unless something just comes along that, you know, uh, that I, that, that's hard to pass up, but that's kind of where I'm going at now. And, and, you know, I, I wouldn't mind it. You know, I, I, I'm having such fun time writing right now. It's, I'm stretching, stretching out and, and working new muscles and learning a lot and, you know, falling down and getting back up that it's, it's very exciting because I, I feel kind of, a little nervous on how I felt like when I was first getting into drawing comics, you know, where it's like, you're really excited and you've got all this, this stuff and you put it down and sometimes it's a mess, but then you're just, you know, you, it's a lot easier to go back and fix writing mess. <laughs> it's like, you know, like a writing mess, I could go in and just keep, keep tweaking it and working it and maybe this idea and have them say this than it is like sometimes, you know, with a drawing, if it's a mess, I mean, you know, I push myself to the kind of to the limits of my ability and anything past that, it's really hard, <laughs> you know, and with writing, it's similar, but I feel like, I feel like the learning process isn't as painful. It's a little bit more exciting to get in there and try and fall down and skin your knee and get back up and try again. Um, mm-hmm. 
than it is sometimes with art. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's interesting, but yeah, I'm going to definitely try to try to try to draw and write my own stuff for a little while. How, uh, how tight are, sorry, Vince. Oh, that's all right. How tight are your scripts for Rocket? Do you say this is what I want on each page, these panels, or do you get the art back and go, well, you know, I kind of thought it might look like this. You just go however you want to draw it, do it. On Rocket, you mean? Yeah. Like for, for writing scripts for myself? Yes. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, there, do you get a little – do you have an idea when you write the script and then once you start putting pen to paper, you're like, I'm going to go in a different direction? Yeah, sometimes. It, that's the kind of the – that's kind of the nice thing about it is like – I sit down and I do write out full scripts for myself. Um, That's awesome. weirdly enough. I mean, full scripts and like, I do break it down panel to panel because it, you know, I still have to fit a story inside of, I got a 20 page, you know, limit, you know, so for pacing wise and, and, and just pure, the pure puzzle of it, I'm not quite at a place where I feel comfortable, uh, just rolling plot style with it yet. Just, just so I know how much I can okay. fit in there. Right. Um, but when I get in there, like, you know, if, if Rockets, you know, uh, at the wrestling match or whatever, like once he's there, if I have just some back and forth, then I'll, you know, panel two will just say on rocket on her, on rocket on her, you know, like until I get to a place where I really need to remind myself like, Oh, here, you know, Groot's going to punch this dude, you know, remind yourself of that. So unless it's like an actual idea that needs to be conveyed that I don't want to forget, other than that, if it's just characters kind of having back and forth banter, I don't really need to go, you know, not for the sake of the editors. I don't need to be like, okay, Rocket's right hand is up and he's expressing emotion. You know what I mean? Like at this point, they trust, they know, they know what I'm going to do once I get in there and, and, and work the art. They, they're, they're confident in that. So, um, the, the script for me, writing full script is more just for the pacing of it. But the great thing about it is, is, um, once I do start drawing, you know, I'll, I'll be like, oh yeah, well maybe th- this panel was five panels on the script, but maybe I'll add an ex- another panel for an extra facial expression or I'll take this panel away or, you know, now that I've drawn this, I think this whole conversation could take place in this one panel or, oh, okay. you know, things like that. Or as I'm drawing and I draw a character jumping a certain way, I'm like, oh my gosh, it gives me a whole idea for the direction of the story that I can be like, oh, I didn't think of this before, but now I'm connecting the dots even still where sometimes working from somebody else's script, you get you can get in a mode where you're just very passive, you know, where I read the script. Um I've you know, I've drawn thousands of pages. At at some point you kind of go to your bank of your page layouts, of camera shots, of all this kind of stuff. And as you're rolling through, you're like, Oh, I wouldn't have done this with the story. Like I'd really rather do this, but it's not my place to really go in. So at this point I just kinda of take the story where I want you know, I, I'm gonna play with the visuals how I want and I take ownership over that. But it's not as freeing as as what it is right now with me writing my own stuff and being like, oh man, I totally had Rocket fish hooking this guy in the mouth, and you know the next panel I, I you know I wrote, for example, I got one page where, you know, there's two panels in, in a row where Rocket's kind of fighting these these cop guys that are after him, these kind of space kind of riot cops, and and they're in like a sewer drain or whatever, and and he's on the phone with Star Lord and he's. At one point, he's like fish hooking one of the guards in the mouth while he's on his back, and then the next one, he's uh, you know dunking the guy's head underwater. But in the script, <laughs> I just wrote Rocket's fighting a guy while on the phone, and the next panel, I just put similar. So that was my script, knowing that when I was drawing, I'd figure out whatever I was going to write. So when I was drawing it, and I had him dunking the guy's head underwater, you know, I have Rocket 
you know, in the, in the original script, Rocket was like, you know, Star-Lord, tell me what you can find out or whatever, right? It seems something, whatever, generic. And, and when I drew him dunking that guy's head underwater, he's kind of like, but they're saying I murdered that guy. That's crazy. And he's like, and Star-Lord on the phone's like, are you murdering a guy right now? And he's like, that's not the point, you know, but I, I wouldn't have thought of that had I not just randomly decided to draw him, you know, stuff, you know, <laughs> like keeping some dude underwater. So there's a lot of cool, happy accidents and organic kind of jokes and moments that kind of happen like that, that, that I'm having a blast with, I think. So I was just going to say, you're growing the story. You're not, I mean, you're writing it. Mm-hmm. Yes, but you're let, you're letting, Sections of it just oh yeah develop yeah. develop at their own pace. That that that's organic. The yeah. artist isn't beholden to the writer. The artist actually has no, some and, leeway. And come on, we we I mean it's it's an arguable point, but I think the best comics are the ones where it's one brain at the control. Like you know you could you can cite Frank mm-hmm, Miller mm-hmm. blah blah blah, but uh, for me the the most organic natural feeling visions on paper come from one person. Yeah, I think there's something, there definitely is something special about it, I think. Um, you know, whether or not they're always, I don't know what to say the best is, I know that I enjoy things like that a lot more because I think there is something that you sense in, in the, the, the marriage of the two, right? Like, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. feel, you, I think that you can feel the ideas, you know, if you guys read, Brandon Graham, or you read, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of more modern guys, Brandon Graham. Terry Moore, or. Ter- yeah, Jeff. Look at Dan Klaus. Yeah, Jeff Smith, like, mm-hmm. um, Sergio, like, things where you feel like visual storytellers are, are still storytellers, you know, and, and, and when they're moving those characters around and creating those environments and things like that, they are telling the story. And there's something kind of cool about that when you see it bounce back to the dialogue or the narration or, you know, for me even, like the sound effects are part of my writing now, you know, <laughs> like, nice. uh, you know, anybody who knows me knows I'm into hip hop a lot. So you're definitely going to see, what? you're going to see a lot of hip hop sound effects. <laughs> and I literally, yeah. I, I actually have one sound effect where a car is slamming on its brakes and the sound effect is hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> no way, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and in space, like a car. Is- hold up. Wait a yeah. minute. Yeah. So respect. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of it, though. You might laugh even if you don't get it. Right. Um, so, I mean, even down to the sound effects, uh, it's 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 fun. You know, it's I'm, I feel writing all the way through. So it's it's a fun kind of new process for for me to be working on an ongoing series like this. Right. It's like, can you imagine another hand in uh, the Palomar stories? No, you can't. I mean that that's all Gilbert Hernandez or 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 like say Jaime. Can you imagine somebody else taking a shot at that? Those are singular visions, right? I'm hoping that that rocket is yours. I I want to see you you slam this, you know, all the way home. Yeah, well, I, you know, I hope I appreciate that. I, and I hope I I kind of hope the same thing too, you know. It's I think there's going to be like I think like anybody doing new things for the first time, there's going to be some really fun, wacky, outside the box things that really hit. And there's probably going to be some things that, uh, maybe people like, huh? Uh, you know, and maybe I'll even be like that. You know, I'm like, I don't, yeah. hmm, I don't know if that's working out, but I mean, I think the fun thing, like some of my favorite, uh, writers and artists and writer artists or whatever in the, in the business or musicians for that matter or anything are ones that just swing really hard, you know? Um, cause I, I know people who swing really hard, they're gonna, they're gonna miss, a lot, 
but they're also gonna uh, they're also gonna knock it out of the box a lot as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think you should discount luck in your career either because I gotta say you've you've been you've been blessed. I mean, not not only have has your style progressed immeasurably. I'm not saying you're bad when you started, but damn. I mean, I was just talking to Jason about this last week, and I said. You know, I, I almost hate Scotty <laughs> a, a little bit because n- not only have you, you, you cultivated this style that seems completely natural, completely you. I mean, when you look at your art, you say Scotty Young. I mean, it, it is you on paper, but y- you know, as well as, you know, any artist out there in this game, you got to produce. Mm. You produce, you, you make money. Right. Right. And, and you, you have a style now where, I mean, you're not Art Adams. Let's be honest. You, you you can get in there, get all dirty, get out a beautiful piece, and start something else. I mean, yeah. you're always producing, and you're smart enough to have cultivated this style that lends itself really well to that. Like the 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 Marvel babies. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Thanks, man. And you know, no, really. And and I, you know, let's be honest. You're not putting Art Adams time into this stuff, but it doesn't feel. I mean, you're not sitting down and saying, damn, I got a double page spread. It's going to take me a week to do. That's not Scotty Young. You get it done and it looks completely believable, completely natural to get number one, to cultivate a personal style is difficult to begin. Sure. I mean, there's guys who have done in this business for, for decades that still, you know, haven't found that true voice and you have it and it's just so fluid. It makes me sick. Oh, and, thanks. <laughs> no, it really does. Um, and what, what was else was I going to say? Well, I am. Oh, about the luck thing. Yeah, yeah. Look, look at the projects to which you've been attached. Oz, that's a match made in heaven. Yeah. That's completely tuned to your voice. And now, now Rocket Raccoon. I mean, that's just more of the same. Yeah, I think, I think what's been interesting. First of all, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, you I'm, know, it's, I'm not kissing your ass. I'm just being. You are. Honest. It's cool. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I'm cool. I, I approve. Um, no, I think, you know, there was a time where um, I think you know when we all first break in and 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 or 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 start any artistic endeavor, whether it's music or painting or poetry or writing or whatever, you know you, you start off trying to do uh, and be the people who came before you or the people that you like the most, and you're trying to do this thing that you think is the thing that you want to do, and and I was the same way with that, and I, there was just a there was a there was a weird period where I just de- kind of made a left turn. And where every, where I stopped trying to, um, produce, you know, I, I used to say all the time, like, man, I want like two months. I want two months to finish my issues. You know, not that I would say that, but I was like, say, you know, when you're sitting around talking with your friends, like, I don't even want deadlines. I should be able to take all the time I want, you know, because you're thinking about this as a different thing. And then somewhere along the line, as I got older, I started to kind of fall in love with more, you know, the, the Sergio's and the Ashley Woods and the, and kind of more people who just, uh, just go for it and get it, you know, like Jim off foods and, and, you know, peers and, 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 and contemporaries that I look up to as well that, that just go for it, throw it down on paper and then live the next day to do it again. You know, that's right. Um, yeah. bef- but you got to have a certain amount of fearlessness to do that. You do. You have, yeah, you, you definitely have to turn off that. You definitely have to turn off. That, that, that radar that, that keeps that, that where you, you're sent, you're watching everybody else, you're listening for everybody else, you're listening for expectation, you're listening for feedback. Sometimes it's, for me, it was just about being like, okay, stop, stop trying to be what you think people want you to be, or stop trying to listen to message boards, or stop trying to listen to, 
you know, any of these things and just see what happens. And once I kind of like let go of being a perfect artist, I started having more fun creating art. You know, there was a time where I would step up to the, the drawing board every day and there was just anxiety. It's just like, I just felt like that's the reason people get late. I think sometimes on books, it's not because you're dwelling on one page or not. It's like, there's so much anxiety to even starting it because you know how much of yourself you got to leave on that board. And, and you know, you know, you, 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 there was a time where I thought, well, if I draw 10 buildings, then, uh, then I've got to draw 370,000 bricks, you know? Right. And, right. and then once I got to a place where I thought, well, if I draw a couple of buildings, I can just, you know, throw my brush around a couple times and indicate that there's a lot of bricks and, and, and that feels funner. I have funner doing it. And for, so, you know, at some points, I think it actually, for me, from, for what I do, it looks better than what I used to try to do, you know? So, or at least it, it pleases me more. Um, whether it's better or not is, I, I don't know, but, um, it pleases me more to look at and it pleases me more to do. So I, I feel like on that front, it definitely started to feel like, all right, I'm finding myself. And then definitely on the luck thing, it, it's the Oz thing I think was maybe the luckiest thing for me ever mm-hmm. because David Gabriel, but Marvel really was like, really loved Oz and, and, because, you know, he's, you know, the position that he's at there, you know, really worked. I mean, we're at a time where they're talking about civil war. Like there's somebody up in the ranks, you know, talking about getting, you know, publishing Oz books. Right. So for him to push that and to really think that I would fit that was, was really a credit. And, and the reason that that was really lucky is because it was probably the only project ever that I would be able to get on where nobody would like try to steer me. You know, like nobody would try to guide me towards expectations or, or get in and be like, oh, this is Spider-Man, you know, be careful. You know, people won't like this or people won't like, no, people just whatever went, you know, do your thing. So I got really spoiled for a good six years of being able to draw, you know, however I wanted to draw. Um, right. That's what I was going to say. The longevity factor of that yeah. project. Is, mm-hmm. is, I mean, it wasn't just a, a, a random miniseries. You were on a multi-book yeah. ci- cycle, and that was yeah. – how do you fall into something like that? Yeah. It's incredible. Oh, super lucky, super lucky. And, and the great thing about that was once that – you know, once we decided, hey, let's take a break from this, like Rocket really came up as simple as, you know, me and CB sitting down and, and CB saying, well, what would you want to do next? And I was like, well – and I just kind of rattled off a few characters that I think I would fit on, you know, because I was like, you know, it's going to be very tough for me to um, come out of drawing the way that I drew on Oz and re Right, doing like Captain America, right? Yeah, like there's not only will I think, do I think that people wouldn't want that? I don't want that. Like I, that's not the, that's just not where my heart is anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the guy that comes in and, and, and crushes a run on Captain America unless you really want a funky run on Captain <laughs> America. Um, so, you know, for me, it was like, you know, I, you know, I like characters like Deadpool or, My and man. I just said, yeah, you know, I was like, you know, I, I have fun with characters like Deadpool or, you know, like anything that resembles my covers or something like, you know, Rocket. And at the time that I brought that up, you know, the movie was still, you know, uh, uh, not much was known about it. There was no sneak peeks out there about it. There wasn't, there really was not too much going on outside of the Guardians of the Galaxy comic that was already launched and, and, um, you know, just the fact that there would be a movie. But, uh, so we started kicking that around and, and, uh, so that's really as simple as like, okay, cool. Well, 
if that's what you want to do, we'll do it. And we had it lined up as a, as a mini series there for a little bit, but then, um, again, kind of lucky. I just was like, Hey, why don't you green light me for an ongoing, you know? And luckily it was around <laughs> the same time that the, the trailer dropped and everybody freaked out about rocket in the trailer and, and everything. So there's like a lot, like I'm very lucky with timing. There's a lot of, yeah. a lot of, interesting like the i don't know if people probably won't remember this but the year we launched the oz series right about the time and i piddled around at the beginning uh you know doing designs and really building up that first world for months and months so by the time i started it we were later than they wanted to be but it really worked out because by the time we finished and had the hardcover out it hit right at the time of like the 70th anniversary of the wizard of oz yeah 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 so it's like you know it was just like this weird like just everything kind of always happens. So I, yeah, I, I, I never discount luck, dude. I mean, ever, ever. I mean, I don't think that you can look at somebody who, draw, who draws like me and say, Hey, do you know that he's worked at Marvel since 2001 drawing monthly comics? If, 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 if there's not a giant backpack of luck on my back, right? It's crazy. Yeah, but you've earned it. I was going to say, like, I, I, you know, and I know you, you know, Scotty, you and I talk about this a lot. Like personally, but, but I think there's this weird, um, without getting too, uh, like philosophical, I think there's this definite connection to people that are highly successful at their chosen field when it comes to like people like, oh, they're so lucky. Like I think part of that is embracing luck, but also trusting in yourself, right? Like being willing to take chances because like looking back on it now with what is it like four Eisners? I think you guys, you got for this, like six years later with four Eisners and, being who you are, like it's easy to say, oh, you know, Oz was such a brilliant decision. But I vividly remember, and this was pretty early in our friendship, like having a chat with you on the phone about the Oz pitch and you wondering if it was the right move to take the job. Because, oh, I didn't wonder. I knew it was the terrible choice. I said – Right, I, because yeah, – yeah. yeah, you knew it would be fun and you knew you'd get to have your creative chops. But you – and I remember us having a discussion about Dale Keown, if you remember, like and like this idea of like, you know, uh, like – artists that are sort of prominent and then they go and do their own thing right and then they kind of fall out of prominence and like would you like were you at risk of that and and i think to your credit like number one you you're willing to take the leap regardless of that fear you had that fear but but and again six years later you can say that was an unfounded fear but at the time it was very legitimate oh no it was never unfounded it was i feel like the fear was completely justified sure (laughs) but 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 two though like but to that point in terms of successful people matching luck with, with, with opportunity, you, because you feared that negotiated the time, Hey guys, I'll do this because you think I'll be great at it. And I think it'll be cool, but only if you let me do covers. Right. Right. And, and I think that was like such a hugely, uh, successful choice on your part. And you made that choice. Like that wasn't like, they didn't call you up and say, Scotty, we're going to have you do Oz. And to keep you in the mainstream, we're going to have you do covers. Like you said, I'll do Oz. I think it's a good decision, but I want to do covers. And like that combination, I think is what really served you the best, right? Yeah, it definitely was. I think, well, yeah, it was a mix. I mean, I started doing the covers, which allowed me to keep my foot in the Marvel U and draw characters like Spider-Man and, and Deadpool. And, you know, like really enough, there was a period of time where I didn't re- I didn't understand why so many people were asking me to do Deadpool sketches at conventions. Um, because I had never drawn a Deadpool book and I didn't really consider myself you know, I think there's artists out there that, that are obviously cover artists, you know, that we all know as cover sure. artists. And I didn't ever see myself as that. And then I stopped one day. I was like, Oh, 
I've done like 18 Deadpool covers. You know, I, there, I did a huge run on the Deadpool covers there for a while. And I, I totally, well, I didn't. I'm the proud owner of one, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just didn't realize that at the time when I was working on them that I was doing like a cover run, you know, um, which, which is funny to think back now. Like I thought, Oh my God, I did 12 covers in a row, you know? Yeah. Um, and now, you know, in the last two years, I, I counted the other day, I've done, uh, 94 covers, I think. <laughs> In the last two years, what? Holy yeah. shit, dude! Yeah. The other thing though is is you were on Viscardi's podcast, and I know uh, like Viscardi needs a bigger head, but I think <laughs> he's doing a great job with Let's Talk Comics, and you were on it. And I was I actually learned something on that episode, which was that the whole Scotty Young Marvel Babies thing was kind of serendipitous in itself. That Midtown Comics wanted a cover, mm-hmm. and they they called Marvel and said, we want to do this kind of thing. And, and Marvel approached you and said, would you be up for it? And you said, yeah. And then that kind of like started this, this humongous groundswell of, of interest in you doing these, you know, these, these, these baby images, which I think are, you know, as you're synonymous with that as you are with Oz now. So like th- that kind of speaks to your saying about like luck is a part of it. Like you, you were approached to do something kind of serendipitous. You said, sure, why not? And then that became this humongous thing that now is a, pretty significant part of your resume and your income like this idea that you oh yeah huge yeah it's it that's probably maybe the most that's one of the most unexpected crazy ones of all i think of all the years i've been doing this um especially because i think like four years prior to that or maybe three three four years prior to that um there was an actual x babies miniseries that that had come out and um i did the covers for that back then um, and that series kind of came and went without a blip, you know, like nobody really noticed that I did the covers, nobody, you know, the series, you know, sold fine or whatever, but it really wasn't, there was none of this like hoopla or whatever, but it just kind of goes to show too, like, you know, I think we feel this way with TV shows, right? Like sometimes like TV shows come and they get canceled, like, like a pushing daisies or something, right? Like pushing daisies comes out and it's just weird, quirky show. And I would argue that if pushing daisies was, would to come out today, Versus, you know, seven, eight years ago or whenever it came out. Like, I feel like it'd be a hit now. I agree. Because, yeah. because people are ready. People are into that kind of genre stuff now where they weren't back then. And I feel like that's kind of the thing with these covers. Is I did that run on, on those covers. And the next, yeah, it was maybe a year or so later, um, Sh- Shelton down at Heroes Con uh, always has an artist do the badges. You know, six, like there's like six or eight badges, you know, one, like, some for the, there's an art, there's an image for the pros, image for the exhibitors or whatever, right? And he always has a artist in the industry do the badges and he asked me to do it, uh, one year. And, and I was like, cool, you have any, you know, thing in mind? He was like, oh, well, I, I loved those X baby covers you did. So maybe just on each one of the badges, you know, just doing, do a Marvel character as a baby. And I was like, oh, sweet. So, you know, did that, that ended up being, it's funny because like on DeviantArt, it's like one of the most favorited things. And I was like, that's so interesting that people are really into that image, you know, the image of all the prints. And yeah, then it was just a couple years later, the Midtown, they wanted a variant cover and my name came up. And I don't know if it was they, them who asked for the babies or if it was George, um, uh, one of the guys up at Marvel that's kind of in charge of kind of creative, uh, kind of a creative liaison, uh, who was, who was putting together the thing that said, Hey, he might be, you know, cause George is a big art fan as well. And he, he was aware that I've done stuff. I don't know specifically which one said, like, could he do that? Um, but either way, that was the, yeah, completely 
random. And, and I don't think anybody was quite prepared for how well that one issue for Midtown would do. Um, so yeah, when we jumped on the, when the, jumped on the, again, timing, bizarre timing, follow that with the kind of relaunch of Marvel now. So there just happened to be, um, you know, 10 number ones. Like, hey, we have 10 number ones. Do you think you could do a cover for a few of them? I was like, sure. They were like, do you think you could do a cover for all of them? And I was like, I, maybe <laughs> like, you know, like that seems to be a lot. So, um, once, once we started to there, you know, I could do them pretty quickly. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, this was 2012 we started and, um, it, every time I'd get, you know, I'd get close, I'd do five of them and then they'd add another 10. I was like, Oh my gosh, I've got 15 covers to do. And, and, you know, I'd have one or two a week and, and then right about the time I'd get within five or 10 of finishing my current list, um, they, they'll put 10 more on, they'll put 10 more on. So today even, uh, I, I got down and I looked at my calendar. I was like, Oh, I've only got, I've only got, uh, three more to do. Like I've, I've got three more on my list. And, uh, sure enough, I got an email and, um, now I have 18 more to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so wow. it's, uh, it's been insane. Like the, 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 for me, as somebody who likes to draw super fun, uh, you know, cartoony, like jokey, poke fun at ourselves type stuff, the fact that people have enjoyed like this kind of material is like baffling and super exciting. Like, yeah. I thought this would be a thing that lasted like four months and then people would be like, all right, that's enough. Yeah, like, right. I'm, I'm over it. And I, I truly thought that not that I would be over it, but that I thought, okay, people are not going to, people are not going to put up with me doing this stuff for long. And it, the, the love only seems to grow, man. It's awesome. Like kids and fathers and mothers and women. And it's just awesome. Like it's the audience for it's pretty awesome. And it, it's almost like collecting garbage pail kids now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, like, because there's say, there so very, many, there are very few artists. I mean, as you know, I buy a lot of original heart, and uh, in mm-hmm. fact, I'm sitting here staring at my Eduardo Riso 100 Bulls page, which arrived today. Pretty That's giddy awesome. about that. Um, but there are very few, <laughs> there are very few people that whose art I love and I'm friendly with that that I that I joke about like have, like outprice themselves. Like like for me, and you have you have gotten to that point because your stuff's so popular. Like, which is awesome. <laughs> I'm happy to see it. But you know what I mean. Like like, uh, but the question I have for you is like. It's, it's obvious you're very fast. Like, and I think that's one of the unsung assets of being a successful artist in today's world, right? Which is that there are lots of really talented draftsmen, but some of them just can't fucking do a book with regularity, right. whether it be mental or, or because they're meticulous or what have you. And like, it seems like that is far from an issue for you. Like you're able to do a regular book on a monthly basis and covers and at a quality that you're happy with, like, like, what do you attribute to that to? Is it your process? Is it that you just know when to say the image is the image? Like, why are you able to do five to 10 covers a month and a monthly book when most people say, like, I need six weeks to do a book? Uh, I mean, it's hard for me to tell. It's hard for me to say what they do. Sure. I mean, I, I would say I could comment on mine and it really comes down to me mostly is like a combination of the fact that I've landed on a style that I'm happy with that allows itself to be loose. Um, you know, I do a lot of, uh, work in the inks 
and I don't need those inks to to be razor sharp and every line be closed and everything be, you know, very hyper detailed. Um, I'm okay with things being indicated and letting you fill in the gaps and things being kind of sketchy. And, um, so I landed on a thing that's like that. There's also, listen, it's, it's a lot easier and faster to draw and, 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 and make characters act and do those kind of things when I'm not worried about realism. Um, True. you know, when, when you have somebody like, like a genius like Jerome Pena, you know, crafting these panels that are just mind boggling because, you know, he's really got an understanding of how the, the human figure works and how the world works and building machines. And I mean, you know what I mean? He's, he's crafting, he's literally crafting worlds, you know? Sure. Um, and, and, and to do that, that takes a lot of time, you know, and, and it's amazing. And, and I get to cheat a little bit in what I, in the way that I've chosen to go because um, it's not doesn't take me long to do, you know, a bulbous head with, you know, goggly goggly eyes or a scarecrow that you know f- doesn't have any joints or or skeletons or, you know, or or um you know, these these covers that I do that are you know all about the gestures and and about the almost more about the writing than it is about me doing the the actual like. Oh my God, look at the chain mail that he put on Cap, you know? <laughs> it's not about that. It's more like, oh man, that's funny. He's, you know, Wolverine's making fun of Cyclops. You know what I mean? It's, there's, I'm ha- I feel like I'm going more in that direction than, than the other direction. And that just allows for a little bit of speed. You know, there's, it's not about, I, I'm, I'm, I've gotten to a place where I'm not necessarily trying to flex artistic muscles at all times more. I, I have fun making things up. And, and I feel like once I get to that place where I think the idea has been conveyed in a, in a professional way, you know, and again, I'm not saying that I cheap out and, and I'm saying like, Oh, I'm pulling one over on everybody. It's saying like, man, I'm super content with this more so than when I used to noodle and, and refine and get hyper detailed. I'm more happy with this because I feel like I'm conveying better ideas. Um, cause I also think there's something to, have you guys ever seen Sergio draw? Like, at some point you should YouTube. Um, there's a couple talks that Sergio gives at like conferences and things. And, and while he's telling you stories about him and Stance Kai being, you know, overseas and sub dinner or whatever, he's on a monitor just drawing and, and, and he'll just call out to the crowd and he'll ask for like, you know, a word or two words and he'll combine those words. And while he's telling stories of dinners in other countries, he's, you know, drawing gags on the fly. And the people have hot dog fingers and nothing really works if you really stare at it too long. But he's drawing from the gut and there's a lot of instinct and there's just a lot of like raw energy and, 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 and he's smiling while he's doing it. You know, like he's, he's like laughing and he's smiling. And I think one of the most important parts is he's drawing, but he's also telling you stories of his travels and his time with friends and his time with family. And, and there's something about that that, you know, I, you guys have probably talked to enough artists to know that, you know, a lot of talk is of like, oh my gosh, I haven't left the house and, you know, like I haven't left the table and there's a lot of stuff like that. And, and I was like that for a really long time. And, and it, I just felt like I, why do, like, why am I drawing comics and I don't like life that much, right? Like, 
Like, right. not trying to get right. depressing or anything, but it just got to a place where it seemed like I was frustrated more than I was happy. And that didn't make sense because I didn't go to an office job, right? I, can't, I went to a drawing table, but, um, so for me, it just turned into like figuring out how to be able to do it in a, in a, what kind of, what kind of, a kind of rules or, or lifestyle changes do I need to make to make sure that I'm making the kind of comic books that I want to make and making the kind of art that I want to make, but also making sure that I get done at five o'clock and, you know, me and my son go read books or we go to the park or we go, you know, outside and pretend that he's, you know, fix it Felix and I'm wreck it Ralph or whatever. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and that can happen. And so this is, it's a big combination of all that. Um, but again, there's, you know, there was a time where me picking the style that I chose, people try to talk me out of it and tell me it was a bad idea because nobody likes that kind of thing. And it's all about photorealism and, you know, so it was, it's been a good thing sometimes for me lately, especially, I think we're in this really zone of light versus, you know, a couple of years ago when everything was kind of about the dark. So it comes and goes and changes. And right now it seems to be, everything's coming up roses. So we'll see in a couple of years. <laughs> well, good for you for uh, proving them wrong. Yeah. Shout out to back there, too. There, there's a, uh, you know, I, I think there's great beauty in simplicity. If you can say it in, in three lines as opposed to a hundred, it, it has the same, um, if you're doing it well, what you do, it, it has the same emotional impact where if it took you 10 minutes or, or 10 hours. But, uh, you know, as, as well as, as most artists out there that you got to be really careful when you're, when you're, um, growing that style because once you get wild, widely known for something and you switch it up, there's a, great danger in that like uh look at john byrne john byrne had was known for a certain style which he did very 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 well and then once uh, he and terry austin kind of didn't team up anymore and Byrne inked his own stuff people were like what this, yeah. this, this does this doesn't look like burn i don't this is this is scary i don't understand this right or and, and but and say look at george perez if if Perez wanted to suddenly switch it up and draw like Sergio, people would have a shit fit. I mean, Jim Lee gave that. We talked about this, I think, on the show when he gave that interview a few years ago where he said that he would love to change his style, but he felt that he really couldn't anymore because no, there's a Jim Lee aesthetic and people expect it to look like that. And so he right. stuck doing that. And that was depressing. I'm like, really, dude? Like, as an artist, wouldn't you, like, you're Jim Lee. Like, can't you switch it up? You know, but yeah, I know what you're oh, saying. Well, the one time he did, though, he, he tried aping Frank Miller. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that, but that was still Jim Lee using Frank Miller shades, right, so. you know, shadows. So it wasn't really a stretch. But, but no, you, you gotta be really, really careful in, in finding that voice because it could, it could bite you on the ass after a while. I mean, how, I, I'm sure, I don't know him personally, but I'm sure Art Adams has times where he's just like, damn. You know, I, I have to draw every window in this building, every every blade of grass, every. and it looks it looks fantastic when it when he's done, and he certainly gets compensated very well for it. But I gotta wonder if it's if it's not a chore for him at times. Yeah, I, maybe I don't, or maybe that's uh, maybe that's relaxing. I mean, I definitely know people who, um, you know that that's relaxing for them. It's 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 yeah. it's uh, panic inducing for me. Um, I, I agree. I, I yeah. really, again, you know, when I say, um, you know, I, I don't want to also make it sound like I've chosen this path because it's the enlightened road. It's, mm. I mean, look, I have tried to get as good as I can in the thing that I do because that's what I'm capable of. There, like, when I've tried to do that other thing, 
Um, it's not that I think it's the wrong way. It's the way that I can't do, you know, like it's, it's not honest. Yeah. There's it, an honesty it, in it, your work. It's that I'm not, you know, uh, Arthur Adams is a beast. You know, he's a beast. Uh, yeah. he's a beast at that man. And it's amazing. And, and because of the makeup of who I am and maybe, maybe I'm too hyper. I, I don't know. But I, for me, the, the, me thinking about that, um, it just, it really does send me into a panic. I, there's some, I don't like, you know, these, the daily sketches I do every day, right? Like I get up and, and, and I get to work in the first hour, no longer than the first hour, I try to finish a drawing. Um, and, and that, and I've done that for maybe three or four years. And, and what that's done for me is it's almost got me in a place where I don't like to leave things unfinished. Like I don't leave the studio with unfinished pages ever. Like, so that means if I finish at, if I finish a page at, Four, then I find something else to do in the last hour of the day, you know, like reply to emails or fill fill an interview or, you know, update my store or whatever, right? Like do something else work related that doesn't involve starting a page because, you know, where my OCD lies is not in like, you know, doing 2000 windows and 4 billion bricks. Mine lies in like, if I start it, it has to get done. I like to finish a thing and because I don't know if I'll be able to like kind of get back into the same feeling the next day or, I mean, it's kind of like even when I do books, like I pencil an entire book and then ink the entire book um, instead of doing uh pencil and ink a page, then pencil and ink the next page because I like to just stay in the same discipline and kind of get in that groove and just write it until it's done. Um, so there's a lot of weird methods that I do do like that, but yeah, the, the crazy, uh, that, that, that Jeff Darrow stuff, I just think it's amazing and, and almost have a heart attack thinking about trying it. <laughs> yeah, like the Darrow quietly, what? like that, that, like ridiculous, like that level of detail, right? It's like, holy shit. How, how long did yeah. that take them? What, you know, since Jason was getting philosophical, I would go as far to say this style chose you. And you you could see it in your personality too, because not not only your work ethic, but having a bird's eye view into your career. Because we're friends, I have the luxury of knowing that you were not always this the guy you are now. I mean, there there was a time when Scotty was an angry young dude, sure, and you know, and but you've accepted. I, I think instead of you've accepted the world on its own terms now, instead of, instead of trying to change things that, you know, no one in their right mind could ever tra- change. You, you have this, this, um, I don't want to say kinder, gentler, but there, the, you, you realize that there's a place for you and you've accepted it. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's I, almost and like accepting. Yeah. It's less about finding, I, I think for me, what I've realized is it's less of saying I found a place for me and it's more for saying, Hey, I just came over here and built a place. Like, right. You know, okay. for like kind of my people or, or the people who are like minded like me, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what I felt like I noticed over time was like, I don't know why I had such a desire to get in and try to win over like the, this, these people, you know, like, why aren't you accept, you know, it's like, I think there's a, when you're young and you're trying to get into the thing, you're just like, Hey, comics. You guys need to accept me and I'm going to change comics, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like, sure. Like I should, you, you guys should allow people like me to draw X-Men. Eh, like that was my attitude at one point. And then it was like, Oh yeah, I should just go over and draw this. And the people who are into this will come over here and we'll have a nice cool party and grill out some burgers and stuff over here. 
And we'll, you know, where, so it's, yeah, it's, it definitely calmed, calmed me down, me down a little and bit. And the, the irony is that you're, you, you drew X-Men, you know, right. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's when, when you're not looking for it is when you find sure. it. Sure. Well, dude, that's, as we, as we have often joked on the show, like, Scotty drew Pixie like Pixie should look, and then all of a sudden he stopped drawing her and Pixie became like a 20 year old <laughs> porn star, like with wings. Right. Right. You know? Yep. I miss Pixie. Yeah, she's still out there, dude, doing her thing. Yeah. Every now and then I get a convention sketch of her, and it's always fun to go back and give her a little doodle. I guess I shouldn't say that sounds kind of dirty. I meant draw doodles <laughs> of her. Yeah, you did. <laughs> if you, you said, said diddle. That's, that's true, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty wrong. Is Casey going to listen to this? Yeah, I'm going to have to make her now. She'll think that's hot. Yeah, she will. <laughs> so, listen, um, so I mean, wrong. as much as I know Scotty loves talking about Scotty, <laughs> he is just kind of supposed to be joining us tonight. Yeah, yeah. About Scotty. So I have to give credit to a longtime listener of our show, Mr. Tom Morris. He, mm-hmm. he, uh, he started a couple forum threads and the forum can be found where, David? Forum.bullpinbulletinspodcast.com. Yes, sir. Um, he started one maybe a week or two ago saying the hypothetical, you're on a desert island. You can only save one person's uh comics work would you save alan moore or frank miller and that fostered a lot of discussion then he followed it up this week with a same question you can only save jim lee's work or todd mcfarlane's work and uh although this is hardly a new idea i i it's it's fostered a lot of fun i think good natured back and forth for people kind of arguing each side of, of these debates. So knowing that we were to do the show tonight and that uh, Scotty was going to be on, I asked our social media faithful to um, throw out tandems along the same vein. Like, and, and you have to, you have to pick one that, that this is not a, Oh, both are great. This is a, we know both are great and it's people that are relatively equivalent and it's one's going to cease to exist. One's going to be saved. Who do you save and why? And so there's a bunch here, but because it's Scotty with us, I want to start off with one that's going to be really hard for him because it's two of his inspirations and two of his friends. Scotty, you could save one person's work. Chris Bocello or Umberto Ramos? That, that's Bocello. Bocello or Umberto Ramos? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's evil. Hey Scotty, um, hey, do you want to come on the podcast tonight and completely, uh, just, uh, cut your own throat? Sure. Alright, I'll have to answer it, but we'll answer it. No, I, I will, I will. Um, I would, I will say it would probably be, I'd probably go with Chris. Bam. Um, That's I, I love, <laughs> I love, I love both of them equally and I love, um, while both of them are my friends, Umberto's almost like a brother. So I, I mean, I, I, I do love him, but I have to edge. I got to give Chris the edge. Um, and I almost think Umberto would be uh, in this with me because he also looked up to him mm-hmm. that Chris, um, Chris was just first, you know, like I just was, I just knew Chris first as far yeah. as his work when I was younger. Um, and, and fell in love with what he did, um, you know, on Generation X and Shade the Changing Man and, and Death and, and stuff like that. So he, Chris truly was maybe one of the first artists that I came in contact with 
that made me realize that uh, comics could be different than mu- muscle memorization. You know, right, right. Um, that there was something else. Not to say that Chris didn't come from a line, you know, a lineage of Bill, the Bill Sienkiewicz's and and the things before him, but he was just the first one for me. Um, that 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 was him. So I would, I, I'm going to go with Chris. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys are going to say. This is why can you're I, the man find... that you actually chose, because because 98 of creators that we'd have on be like, oh, I can't answer that. Yeah. This can this I is find... just for fun. Yeah, this is yeah. for fun, man. Yeah, let me just fine tune Scotty's answer just to my because no 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 I would take I would take no I'm gonna I'm gonna springboard off Scotty's answer because I I feel the exact same way I would go with Pacello as well and I'll say because Scotty can't really go into this area because he knows both of them very well but for me not not knowing either one of them I think Pacello is the real like more of a visionary out of those two because Ramos in my eyes, is entirely beholden to Carlos Meglia. You, you look at Ramos's work and you see Carlos Meglia through and through. And I, although I do think Ramos is a fantastic illustrator, he's not entirely 100% unique in my eyes because of that mm-hmm. precedent. Like once you know Carlos Meglia's work, it's like, oh my God, that's Umberto Ramos. You know, so I got to give it to uh, Bocello. They're both fantastic artists. Oh, yeah. But yeah, well, that, but again, me, the, the, all, the point of any of these questions is that they're both to most people's eyes relatively equal. Right. Like I think Ramos and Bocello are both modern masters, both known for exaggerated, somewhat Japanese influenced styles. Uh, and, and again, both. I think if you're a fan of one, you're likely a big fan of the other. That's why it's supposed to be a tough decision, right? It's not supposed right. to be yeah. like if you're saying to someone like, "Who would you choose, Alex Ross or Bacello?" Like each person would have a really strong opinion because they're vastly different, right? Like you're gonna, it's, it's, yeah. it's supposed to be tough. So, Dap, where do you sit? Right. I'll uh, I'll be the contrarian. Oh, yeah, it's it's oh partly it 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 has to do with with the uh, and and. Chris has drawn some fantastic Spider-Man stories, especially when, when they started after, um, with, uh, with One More Day and, and the webheads and everything. I, I re- really, really like those stories, but, and, and I love Death, the High Cost of Living. I, um, I, I just, I'm a fan of both, but as far as who resonates with me more, who do I get more excited about? Who, if, if, uh, if I could own art, from one or the other, if I had it, if I had to choose, it would probably be Umberto. Hmm. You know, the one complaint I hear about Bocello from the guys at the comic shop, and it's pretty unanimous when they do complain, is that they say his work is often hard to decipher. Now, here, okay, I want to, I want to answer something to that because I feel like there are a few things that float around in comics that we all repeat right right like yeah uh like Liefeld doesn't draw feet oh snap oh snap like <laughs> right uh, first of all i have never walked away from a comic thinking that comic would have been so much better if i would have seen more feet okay? <laughs> so i just want to put that out in the world um and, you know what i'm saying but there's just a lot of things like that right like mm-hmm. he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that i think chris is suffering from People attaching, uh, like Chris from, from 15 years ago, steampunk Chris, 
Right. And, and which was awesome, which was awesome. I worship it. I love it. But I also know that he was swinging so hard on those that, that it, it, and was operating on such a level that to a comic book reader, it made no sense, which I understand. (laughs) But I think I've heard that about his stuff forever since then. And it baffles me because I feel like when you pick up his recent work in the last couple of years, like it is crystal clear what's going on. Like oh, sure. his yeah. his X-Men stuff that he's been doing, the Wolverine and the X-Men stuff, yeah. like he's not doing crazy splash pages like that look like a puzzle. They are like gridded out and he's barely breaking panel borders. You know what I mean? Like I feel right. like that's a we- – like it's one of those statements where we got in the habit of saying it. And then we forgot to stop saying it when he changed back, you know. I've never find I've never found the guy hard to decipher. But to his credit, steampunk wasn't it wasn't an act performed in the mainstream arena to begin with. You know, I mean, it's like he didn't go into an opera house and start playing punk music. He he was working within the, the confines of where he was working at the time. It wasn't mainstream at all. So he could stretch. Right. And take chances. Whereas if he did that on the X Men, I could see, wow, this is a little tough. But even it, it's BS because Generation Next is a masterpiece. Yeah, and and that was very similar. Yeah, it's it's just a matter of you know in comics, you know, we all are uh, we all kind of get in ruts and we all repeat the same things and we all have we have uh-huh. our go to we have our go tos and and you know it's why people will think a you know a book sucks forever, but then somebody's like, oh yeah, do, do you? Re- this is really good now. It's been good for 40 issues, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, um, right. And, and, and people won't, we forget to change when things do change because they, they often do, you know? Yeah. Jason, hit us with another one. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah. No, I love, these are the best games, dude. No, it's cool. Um, so hold on next, a second. I'm scrolling twister. back because, uh, Steve Ryan, our good buddy. And, uh, well, did, 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 go ahead. Jason, did, did you give your reasons why it would be Chris for you? It'd be Chris for me. Um, to be honest, um, I guess it's the same way. It's it's really the same reason I answered McFarlane in the McFarlane versus Lee debate on our forums. Um, it's just which one of the guys evokes stronger memories for me. Like I I can when when you say those two names, a flood of of Chris images come back right, to me. Right. 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 Um, which is not to say Umberto doesn't have images that I don't adore as well, but, but like in terms of the power of them, like I love Jim Lee. Absolutely. He's, he's a legend. But for me, and again, I'm not saying this is, it's, it's a subjective thing. For me, I am flooded with a thousand specific panels that McFarlane has drawn in his life that, yep. that, that are as fresh to me now as I sit here talking about it as they were the day I got them off the stands. What's interesting True. with that is that whereas I I would expect because of the work Lee has done for you to think differently, but in this case with Chris versus Umberto, Chris has drawn more of the things you're into. You, you, you weren't into impulse from DC. You're not a big Spidey guy. So, so there are things that Umberto, there was Crimson, but there may have been things that, that Ramos has drawn over the years that you, that wouldn't necessarily be in your wheelhouse. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the Umberto Chris thing is a very, it's, 
that one could be easily thrown into the category of uh, which side of the line, what kind of comic book reader are you? Are you because uh, Umberto has clearly been a Spider-Man guy for the you know a good chunk yeah, of his career, yeah, yeah. and and Chris is nearing. Uh, you know, Chris is nearing the 15, 20 year mark of drawing X-Men, you know, working on the X-Men titles. I think While you he... just hit the nail on the head for me, Scotty. I mean, as you know, I'm a much bigger X-Men fan than yeah. a Spider-Man fan. So yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and obviously, you know, David is a big Spider-Man fan. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. you know, these, these artists, like, um, because you have to say like, God, I mean, they're both masters. You just go, but I'm, I tend to lean towards this stuff, which is that's his, uh, that's his world. So I, which I think is it, what makes the, the McFarlane Lee thing so interesting in Jason's response. Right. Yeah, yeah. See, see I'm of the mindset that I mean, I love Ramos's uh, Spider-Man work, uh but for me the his stuff that resonates the strongest is Crimson right. with me. I mean, there are some panels Chris in Crimson with the, the St. George and the drags like, what oh, the hell yeah. are you drinking? Yeah. And it's just like I I love the Spider-Man stuff, but I I don't have that that gut that shock of, of turning the page and seeing that gorgeous. I mean, he doesn't have the time to do it like he did on Crimson, but uh, I just think Crimson is his, his, that's his landmark statement. Sure. I love sure. that book. Yeah. All right. Well, here's one that's, that's going to be, I think even harder. Um, and it is from Steve Bryant. Uh, Joe Kubert versus Alex. I'm Tuff. out. I'm out. He's <laughs> <laughs> such a punk. <laughs> no, nah, that's easy. For you, it's easy. You're going to say Kubert. You bet. Yeah. I think I am too. Okay. Scotty? Um, I'm going to say, uh, I'm probably going to go with Toth. Um, but this is, and this is going to be super sacrilege. Um, it's just because I, I'm, I'm not as familiar with Kubert stuff. Like, I mean, I obviously know it from the fact, you know, like we, we all know it in comics, but I'm just not as well versed in it. And, right. and I just know Toth stuff a little more. So, and, and, and again, and my sensibilities are going to lean towards that more kind of cartooning, you know, he was, he was all up in the, 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 the actual animation side of things. And so it, that, that one speaks to me a little bit. Yeah. And Toth was a better designer than than Joe. Joe. Joe wasn't all that hot of a designer. I mean, he was good, but Toth really designed a page. Yeah, I'm I'm going to say Toth as well. Um, and again, this is tough. I mean, they're both obviously legends, so it's not like it's 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 besmirching one to pick the other. Um, but uh, yeah, but I I would lean towards Toth as well. Um, okay, so let's let's do. Let's do a, um, let's see if we can find one that's going to be really tough here. Um, well, now this one is a fair discussion, although I think I can guess how we're all going to go on this one, but I will use it because like three or four different people threw the same exact one out when I asked for the question. Um, Will Eisner versus Kirby. <laughs> well, look, I, again, I, I, I think listeners of our show know how this is probably going to end up, but, but I think it's a fair question, right? There are two of the, but possible Mount Rushmore creators of all time, right? I mean, that, that's it's a fair debate for some people, I think. Vince, obviously, you're going to say Kirby. He's your all-time number one top guy. So, yep. Yep. Um, Kirby. Kirby uh, created the language. Eisner manipulated it to his own ends. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. David, would you concur, or would you go otherwise? Um. Between the two Jews, I would say I, I'd, uh, I knew that the J word was going to be yeah, thrown no, out. I, uh, I 
I love Eisner's work, but uh, yeah, I, it's it's Kirby for me all the way. Who's that yours, Jason? Uh, it's it's for me. It's not close. It's Kirby, and again, kind of gets back to what you just said with the last answer. Um, I know Eisner from a historical perspective, like in terms of, I understand. I think his significance to the the industry and the medium, That's but in terms of and Frank the, Miller. the volume, <laughs> the volume <laughs> of of their work that I'm familiar with, and the the stuff that that means more to me. I mean, it's Kirby by a landslide. I mean, Kirby's work, the characters he helped create, um, are in many cases the most important and favorite characters of 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 my comics fandom. Whereas Eisner, I very much appreciate like a lot of of, of the way he handled his business and his influence. I there's nothing that Eisner did that I would consider personally among my favorite works you know what i mean so this was an easy one for me but i realize it's probably not as easy for others right but you haven't really at least from my chair you haven't really read all that much of the spirit yeah what was your what was your answer again vince (laughs) (laughs) kirby okay of course yeah okay i mean i love eisner but i hope i don't get any backlash for this but he's kind of in my book a one-hit wonder eisner I think the spirit is a masterpiece. All of it is a masterpiece, but I gotta say, Eisner's, uh, contract with God and all his very personal graphic novels, they do very little for me. Oh, oh see, Our, I think contract with God yeah. is one of the few things I'm familiar with, and I think it's brilliant. Oh man. Oh, oh it's, yeah. it's brilliant, but that airy, um, Casey at the bat style that he has on that, where there's a <laughs> lot of, a lot of space between the panels, and oh. he's, I just, Killing it me. does, no, I, I would much rather see his tighter spirit work. Fucking killing me. Uh, Listen, I, I'm gonna write a I'm gonna write a letter next week. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> no. You're picking Eisner. Uh, yeah, I'm, I go. I'm gonna go with Eisner. Wow, um, that surprises me. Just because I figured Kirby's such a like he's known for such creative visuals, and I think that's more identifiable with your own like aesthetic. Yeah, I, don't get me wrong. Again, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a super tough choice. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Definitely not, um, definitely not, uh, saying that one's bad, one's good. It's just saying for me, right. Um, and again, this goes back to the, the fact that I did not grow up, um, as, a, a typical comic book reader, like a superhero wise. Like I grew up reading Mad Magazine, Archie Comics, like Ralph Snart. And, there we go. Like, oh, oh, like, ding, oh, ding, ding. You know what I mean? He said it. Like, like odd things like that. So for me, when I see Eisner, it always, that, it makes me feel like Mad Magazine alone for me, you know, I see a lot of the same roots that Jack Davis came from in, you in know, there. that's my dog, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for me, the cartoony, the cartoonist in uh, Eisner. <laughs> You call Jack Davis a dog. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dog dude. <laughs> um, the the cartoonist in in uh, in in uh, Eisner just wins me over, man. Because there's so much expression and and mm, and, and emotion and True. in his work that um, honestly it it it's surprising that we that I actually don't see more conversation about him i mean obviously we we 
we hear about the spirit a lot and we hear, but I, I feel like because his, the rest of his works, it's, they don't float around in comic book proper as far as publishing goes. Yeah. You know, they're not part of regular comic book catalogs. Like you don't see, they're not easily found. They're not, you know, they're not at every bookstore you go to. It's actually a weird, he, he, I find his catalog find. And so for that reason, I don't think a lot of people have it or know what his catalog is or what, what, like where it's at outside of just knowing that he did the spirit. But like you said, like contract with God, when I look at that, you just, there's just like a, there's a, just a fluidity and, and emotion to his cartooning that just slays me, man. And, and obviously Kirby is a great creative mind, but for me, it just goes down to that. That wasn't a thing that I grew up, uh, that wasn't comics for me at the time. You know, so I, I missed out on all that and, and, um, whatever it is that Eisner does reminds me of the stuff I did come up on. Um, sure. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and look at Eisner's influence. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of my all time favorite artists probably wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for Eisner and that's Mike Plug. I mean, cause Plug apprenticed under Eisner and they both have similar styles and all that. So you look at Eisner's influence and yeah, the guy, cultivated a lot of individual voices but i i think the spirit is like i said it's everything i want from eisner's in the spirit uh those those other things no i get you I, it, it, you got to have the complete package mm-hmm. if the art's great and the story just it's just not working for you i mean they're they're it, it, I, I don't know what i'm reading when i read to that me stuff. it's just the it's yeah. just the the, the create the characters like i mean the list of the characters that Kirby either created or co-created to me is like half of the characters that make me a comics fan today. So it's like, true, yeah. you know, like for me, that's why it's like, but here's one because, because Scotty brought up Mad Magazine, which again is something that, uh, influenced him professionally, but certainly something I think the three of us share as well that we're huge fans. So, um, I will throw this one out. Um, and, and we kind of, we kind of gave away the lead here. Jack Davis. Don't say more Drucker. Okay. All right. Switch it up. Jack Davis, Wally Wood. Ooh. Very different style. Oh, jeez. I'll go first since it's <laughs> see everyone sign. That was I, like a that. You know what? That was like a perfect Mad Magazine sound effect. Uh, exactly. Orchestra uh, right there. Like, I love them which both one's better? Yes. Uh, I mean, they Jack are, Davis or the? Yeah, they are two of my favorite illustrators of all time. It's a dream of mine that is not yet fulfilled to own artwork from both of them. Um, but for me, there's something about Jack Davis. I, I, you know, um, like some of his really like tertiary minor little teeny tiny page like panels come up for sale sometimes in auctions. And I always want to bid on even the most inconsequential Jack Davis art. Like it's, it's, it's just something about the way he cartooned that just hits me at my core. And yeah, it has a lot to do with, with, with reading Mad as a kid. But again, you know, all those Mad artists were, me- were meaningful to me. But, but if I had to pick one, in spite of Wally Wood just drawing super sexy women, I have to say Jack Davis is not for me. Yeah, I, I go with, uh, I'm with Jason. I'm, I'm that's Jack my dog. Davis. Yeah. <laughs> I go with Jack Davis. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if I can hammer out exactly why. Probably because, I mean, he was the he was the he was the Mad Magazine guy the majority of the time for me uh, collecting it. You know, like 
that was one of the first things that I, I got everything issue of, but Jack Davis was such a staple for me. But also Jack Davis was the, um, I mean, Jack Davis was the, uh, he did so many movie covers, posters, you know, like I spent a lot of the, you know, eighties and, you know, uh, riding my bike up to small town video. It literally was fucking called oh, yeah. small town video. Um, like riding my bike up to small town video and just, even if I couldn't rent the movie, I would just walk the aisles and look at them because there was artwork on them. And back then, you know, everything was painted and everything. And, um, you know, he did such cool movie posters and stuff. So I feel for some reason it evokes, like you were saying earlier, there's a memory, there's a memory trigger there. And Jack Davis just hits that memory trigger for me. Boys, Jack Davis. It's, My boy. It's, uh, I, and, and just like, Eisner Kirby, I, I absolutely love Wood. I love his contributions. I I respect what he has done for comic books, but uh and and strips and Mad Magazine, but um there are just so many great memories I have when I think about Jack Davis, when I think about Mad Magazine, when I think about that damn Spalding ad, when I think about yes. so much of of um of what I enjoyed growing up uh has to do with Jack Davis and uh and and that's I if for me I would look at it like it would my life if I look back on things and if there are things that I could miss would it be Jack Davis or Wally Wood and I could miss Wally Wood stuff mhm <laughs> it's a struggle. I don't know. I'm mad. I can't. I can't do it. No, can't no, do it. no, no. You do. That's you part of the game, it, bro. I, I, I can't. I, bro, you have to, dude. You have one, to. Two, one, two, three, pick. <laughs> no, it's not that easy. That's the problem. Start out there. I mean, even Start if it's fifty-one percent to forty-nine percent. You know, guys, don't discount Wally, Wally Woods. I know, but don't discount Wally Woods' mad work. Okay, well then make him the, those 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 mad parodies were fantastic. Okay, well, then so, then say, so then say, arguably, yeah, arguably so the greatest. No, I'm not saying Wally Wood. Arguably the greatest draftsman ever to come out of comedy. You said Wally Wood, okay, Jason Wood. What's no, I'm, I, I, but I love Jack Davis too. Yeah, I, know. I can't. All right, do I'm gonna it. go modern on you, modern writer and. Again, Scotty, I'll understand if, if anytime you feel you need to refrain because you're, they're your peoples or okay. you work with them. This uh, one is a, a Marvel question. Bendis Brubaker. Discuss. Oh. oh, I can, I can go. Okay. I'll go. Go ahead. Um, I'll go Bendis. Yeah, for me, okay. this is just again, this isn't a skills thing. This is just a taste thing. Sure. Um, I've, I've generally, um, I don't know, uh, powers, powers for me, hmm. I guess, I know you put it as a Marvel thing, but while his Marvel stuff's fine and, and great, I, I am adore powers. Like I've reread powers. Well, I don't know how many times I've been through all those trades, but every now and then I just go through and do a reread. I enjoy that series so much. So just for powers alone, I fall on the Bendis side. Okay. This is easy for me. Okay. Bendis. Uh, it would not be so easy if not for Bendis's all new X-Men. Uh. The, 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 the guy has single-handedly reignited my love of the X characters. Mm. I like it. Um, whereas, yeah, I like Brubaker. I, I thought his Captain America stuff was 
really good, but um, not not on my top twenty five list of writers. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, before all new X Men, Bendis at least was in my radar uh, for his Avenger stuff, and you know, Powers is great. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's default by Bendis by default. Uh, if it, I, I think when I, when I think about Brubaker and, and it's through no fault of, of, of man, it, it's, I think of Captain America and, and I know that he wrote a lot of things and drew some of them before Captain America and he's done a lot since then. But aside from Captain America, he also has that, um, you can kind of tell when you're reading a Brubaker comic. There, there's that feel that that it that that it has with espionage and and or or criminal and um, there's just you know what you're getting with a Brubaker comic. So I have to go with Bendis because of the because uh, of the just just the breadth of his work. He he. I think he's more versatile that's, too. That's exactly what I'm getting at. There are yeah. just uh, he's. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying he's Alan Moore, but it, it's there are whether you're going to read Ultimate Spider-Man or All New X-Men or Powers or um, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, or, the, the 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 Fortune and the Glory. There's just this. Yes, he may have overstayed his welcome on Avengers, but there were a lot of fun things in that. Avengers run and, and things that spilled out from it and, and things that had people talking about what was going on. And even if they were talking about characters talking in the goddamn comic, there were just, there was a lot of things going on that, that Bendis has written that, uh, that I think people really have enjoyed more than they have it. And, and, uh, and I'm glad I got to read pretty much most of I I still have to start powers. I have a couple of the older hardcovers, so I'm going to eventually that that's on my list. But um so even without me having read powers, I still have to give the nod this time to Bendis. Hmm. Yeah. The re- the reason that the Avengers is Marvel's powerhouse franchise is largely because of Bendis. I'm not. I'm not. There there may be a lot of Bendis in the movie movies, but I'm saying the reason why Avengers has sold so well in the past as opposed to being, you know, just the book where all the, the big Marvel right, characters right. Ga- gathered and that's Bendis. He, he made that book. I, uh, I guess I'll be the dissenting voice here. I'm going to say Brubaker. Wow. Um, and again, you know, this is, this is, these are tough choices. I mean, Bendis is legitimately, you know, arguably the most successful writer of mainstream comics in the last 10 years. Um, but I guess unlike Scotty, I I never felt engaged by Powers. I, I read it a few times and or, or or parts of it a few times and never felt like that gravitational pull to 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 see it through. Whereas anything I've ever tried of Brubaker's, I've had to complete the whole thing, whether it be criminal or or you know um, or, or I mean uh, uh, sleeper or. You know anything he's done, I've I've always felt the need to to see it through, and I've always felt satisfied. Um, and I think that for me, Rue Baker's voice on things like Cap are more distinctive to me than like Bendis's voice on Avengers. Like I understand that that when he took over Avengers, it wasn't in a great place, and he made it fun again. But I feel like he overstayed his welcome 
Whereas with, for me, Bendis, I mean, uh, Brubaker didn't overstay his welcome when it came to like cap and stuff. Like he told a cap story and then bounced. And, uh, so he gets the slight nod for me, although, you know, Bendis is still a beast. Um, all right, this one's super tough and it's probably going to come down to DC versus Marvel, but it's been thrown out by a few other, a few of our listeners. So I'm going to throw it out there. Um, John Byrne, George Perez. Oh, shit. Burn Perez. Contemporaries, one arguably the most influential artist of, uh, of, of, in Marvel for, uh, for a decade and then jumped to the other house. And then similarly, Perez, arguably the most influential artist at DC for a decade and then jumped to Marvel. And, uh, it's, it, they're, it's, it's kind of fascinating actually to think about their careers, uh, overlapping one another. They, they, they actually did overlap each other pretty, Pretty significantly um, in their times at competing houses. So, who do you, who do you give the nod to, guys? Crickets. Uh, <laughs> I know it's. At least, I, at I least... just want to hear what what David's going to say. Cause <laughs> you I can imagine it. I can imagine it being incredibly. This tough is yeah. This is this is my my, my Wood <laughs> versus Davis. Uh, this is your Wood versus Vince question, <laughs> which um, is next, by the way. Well, I'm glad it's, oh, shit. I'm glad you didn't say, you know, who's the better Fantastic Four artist since, since Perez was drawing it way back in the day, but I'm, I'm gonna have to, I, I gotta, I gotta hear other people first. What? Alright. No, I, 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 I got it. It's really easy for me. I, I have to go with Byrne. Okay. Uh, Perez's work is just way too rigid for me. Way, way too chiseled. The, the line is too constant. The panels are too dense, too detailed. Um, it, it just look, looks like it's too much information for me. Whereas Burns is much more fluid and, and gestural and expressive and, and he drew, he was my sweet spot for almost 15, 20 years at Marvel with, with, with Alpha Flight and X-Men yeah. and, and, and Fantastic Four. I mean, there wasn't a book that I didn't groove on that seemingly wasn't drawn by John Byrne. Whereas when, when, when Perez took over Superman, it was like, and his Wonder Woman stuff, admiration, but in, in a crazy sort of what the hell are you doing kind of way? Like, why is this so detailed? Like, I can't read JLA versus Avengers. I just can't do it. There's too much going on oh, on the page. Spent, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Fucking spend, dude. Now, if if Burn drew JLA versus Avengers, I'd be like, yeah, son, this is my stuff. But nah, I just, I, I not to discount the man's um, ability or his his influence. Perez is is among the best comic book artists, but he's just not doesn't do it for me. All right, so you chose Burn. Now, I'll make it easy. I, I, as much as I'm giving you shit for not for dismissing Perez, it's Burn for me without a question. I mean, and again, it's just a DC Marvel thing for me. I, I love I love Perez. In fact, I have a, a I'm looking right now as I, as we speak at a, uh, at a, at a Perez <laughs> Avengers page. I, I, I'm in the round room gazing at all my art. Yeah, seriously. Know. It's like, oh, but, let me pick the guy whose art I have. He's, by the way, framed right next to a Scotty Young Oz page for the record. Boom! Um, Dropping more dime uh, than my dad. But, mm-hmm. but Burn is Burn, dude. I mean, fucking X-Men, right. fucking Alpha Flight, fucking, I mean, like, like, he's Burn. He's like, he's the dude. He's that dude. He is in that my, yeah. dude for me. Like he's he he's the guy that, other than Alan Davis and John Buscema, I mean he's 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 Rushmore for me in terms of of cartoonists. He's, you know, I mean I I would only I would only dismiss him 
and push him, facepalm him for John Busema and Alan Davis. Everyone else would he'd get to cut in the front of the line. So, yep. Safe to say, at least for me, the sexiest, most three-dimensional Sue Storm ever, ever. Agreed. Yep. Scotty's been quiet as a titmouse since we asked this question. Uh, <laughs> it's it, it just I'll, I'll say I'll say burn uh, because I'm. Uh, because I'm more familiar with X-Men than, than DC stuff. But I, again, it's, it, it's coming from an era of that's, I'm, I have a super, super giant blind spot. I'm, I'm a pretty bad, I'm a pretty bad comic book fan when it comes to, um, anything <laughs> pre nineties. <90s. laughs> like, Dude, um, you're my age. I know, but I, I just didn't get into comics then. You're I, I mean, I mean, I lived, well, I mean, at that point, I lived in a town of 3,000 people in the middle of Illinois. There wasn't, I mean, it was the, gr- the grocery store uptown. So whatever we had there. And like I said, it was, to me, it was just mad. It was all about Mad Magazine and, and, and Archie comics. So I didn't, I just, I really just did not, it wasn't, that stuff didn't exist to me. Not because I chose not to. It just, it didn't. And then I got into comics around the image days. So, um, it, I always started there and kind of, I'd work my way back on some things, but I just got a big blind spot for that whole, that whole era. It's weird. All right, David, it's time to any up. <laughs> he can't do it. Uh, burn. Let's move on. <laughs> oh shit. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, one more and then we can, we can move on to other, other topics of, of interest. Um, speaking of image. Eric Larson versus who's going to hurt Vince? Fucker. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) For me, it's McFarlane. Again, I love Larson. Just bought a page of his work from Defenders. <laughs> it's not. You, it's, dude, it's a pat answer at this point. I know. But <laughs> that said, I always had a much bigger affinity for McFarlane's Marvel work than I did for Larson's. Um, I think both of their roles at Image and I got to give like I got to give Larson props for the years he held it down as the Image EIC before. He handed off to Stevenson, but that being said, like we're judging their their own the work that they created, and in that regard, I, I I'd have to I'd have to keep McFarlane's work. It's it's just emblazoned in my subconscious, like few other people ever. It's just I picture those now, images. So, are we limiting this to their art on paper, or are we limiting this? Or are we including their careers in this too? Like you just mentioned the thing when when Larson was was at the helm of Image. I mean, I don't think do there's we, any. Do we, do we factor that it's, into it's, it? It's it's what they've written, what they've drawn, what they're responsible for. I think you can you can craft it. You want to craft it. I don't think you should discount um, anyone. Should discount Eric Larson's period uh, driving the image bus no, I because agree. I mean that's why I meant. There, there's a lot of the current success. Eric Eric broke the image mold. Mm-hmm. He he was the one to start trying different stuff at, at Image. Yeah. So I. Scotty, what do you say? This is an inter- this is the this is a very interesting one for me because I feel like I could give I could give an answer for both at two different times. If I'm answering from the nostalgic bone in me, then it would be Todd because 
Spawn was my book, right? Like Spawn was just my book. It was the the book for me. It was yep. it was my X Men or whatever, right? Like that's what I loved that book. Um, I loved when Greg did it. I loved it all. Um, and so if I'm answering from that point, I, I say Todd. But it's weird because if you flash forward to now and the and the person that I am now and the way that I see it now, I may ed- give the edge to Eric mm. because there's there's things about Eric's art even back then that I that maybe I didn't. I mean, I love Savage Dragon and stuff, but I it's like I almost look at it now and and see something I didn't see back then. Um, and, and there's something there's something about his. Again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with me kind of falling in love with more kind of swiftness and economy and, and something about that. And Eric's kind of the epitome of that. So it's weird. Like the two versions of me would choose differently. Um, hmm. but if I had to go with one, then I'd have to lean Todd simply because, you know, Spawn was my book and I like would invite people over to watch the Spawn cartoon on HBO and tell them fools to shut, shut the fuck up if they try to talk <laughs> during it. And, Who didn't? Yeah, and I like recorded all of it on VHS and cut out sweet pictures and taped it to the VHS tape and <laughs> um, made my own cases. Yeah, made my own cases. Had had yeah. the toys, did the whole nine. So I was I was definitely a Spawn junkie. So I'd have I, I'll I'll answer Todd. Voice, go ahead, Vince. Damn, I'm I'm giving I'm making a David Oliver Clemp this this episode. He's well, like, the- he's got the vapors. <laughs> Emotional attachment to Spawn and Spider-Man aside, Eric is (laughs) and has always been the better sequential artist. Todd relies far too much, or he did, relied far too much on single-page splashes. Mm -hmm. He he uses way too many big panels. I can't even argue this. Yeah, you're right. Eric's not afraid to. That's why his OA is worth so much because it's all splash pages. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, like Torment, it's ridiculous. There's just way too many uh, splash pages. Eric is the better sequential artist. Um, Eric, I think Eric has a far better line than McFarlane. Uh, He he's like Scotty said. He's he's there's an economy to it. There's a less is more. Um, I gotta give it to Larson. Yeah, that's the the modern day me agrees with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Uh, I think I'm leaning towards Vince. It's uh, because of I. For the reasons that I said in, in, in the McFarlane Lee thread, um, but when it comes to, you know, when I think about who did what, who's done more of what I've enjoyed and, um, there's some things about Spidey that, that McFarlane did that I thought were, were keen, but, um, there were some things that I, I, wasn't a fan of when it was first introduced because of how different everything looked. Um, and, and even though my name's on a letters page in the last issue of, of Todd's adjectiveless run, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, I think from a storytelling standpoint, as, as Vince was pointing out that it, it, 
I think Larson just, with me, has a better track record. All right. Cool. Well, again, thanks to Tom Morris for the good idea. I think it's it was a fun topic. So, Scotty, aside from from being an artist and a buddy, you, you have turned me on to some of my favorite uh, uh, independent comics works. You know, we I know we follow each other on uh, Kickstarter and uh, back a lot of the same projects when we see each other backing stuff. Like mm-hmm. Antler Boy, J- your boy Jake Parker was awesome, and you've turned me on a few other anthologies. So my question to you is. You also turned me on Ramon Perez. What artists or works are blowing your mind right now that, that our listeners and we need to be aware of? Like who, who do we need to, to get smart about that we don't know yet? Oh man. Oh, uh, uh, what I need to get his name. I need to make sure that I get his name straight up correct. Um, because of this dude is going to be, uh, going to be the business if he chooses to be um it is daniel warren johnson he does a web comic called space mullet okay um once you once once you go there space-mullet.com is the is the website once you see it you're gonna know what i'm talking about looking fucking good i'm there right now yeah he's the bomb um Why do you say Jesus? You are our oracle. I swear you type so fast. And 90 you words get information a minute, son. So that's nuts. You'd be hearing me. Yeah, we would be. Going like that over here. We do it every Updates week. Updates on Mondays and Thursdays. Yes. Space so Mullet. How do you discover him, Scotty? Um, What's your deal with it? I believe Jason Howard. Jason Howard's one of my best friends, and we Skype during the day while we work. And, and um, uh, of, of Super Dinosaur, Wolfman, and the upcoming Trees. Fame with Warren Ellis, Jason and Howard, Black Panther commission on my wall. Fame. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, I'm just going to piss Vince off now at this point. You're not pissing me off. I love you. Uh, about you all day. Yeah, Jason found it one day and was just like, "Oh, there's this this is webcomic space mullet," and I I checked it out and I was like, "Oh shit!" And uh, so we we followed him. He's a, he's a, lives in Chicago. I did not know that and. And, uh, met him, met him for the first time at C2E2. Actually, he, he put a call out for pre-con commissions for C2E2. So Jason and I both hopped on it and, and, uh, I got me a Lobo commission. Damn. Uh, now, wait, now time out. Nice. Let's, let's hit pause button for a second. Uh-huh. When Scotty Young is fucking commissioning work for you, that <laughs> is a big doing, dude. <laughs> yeah. So I got me a Lobo piece from, from a man. I think, yeah, I think he's a beast and we're all going to be, um, He's like I said, going to be one of those things where if, if he wants to, I, again, I don't know what his goals are or whatever. I don't know him that well, but I feel like he he's he's got he's got some flavor. I think um, I don't think that it's a surprise. I mean, this is not anything new new doings. But in case people don't know, um, I think that uh, James Heron is oh hell yes yes, uh, yes, yes, uh, yes I have sir. I have me a nice stack of James Heron artwork. Wait, oh. how? How? Hmm, 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 hmm. See, how do this I? Is bullshit. This is why I gotta learn how to draw. Cause James Heron's art isn't for sale until like next month through Felix, but you have his fucking pages already that pisses me off. Well, I don't have any comic pages. <laughs> and, and. Oh, okay, okay. When it was a couple <laughs> years ago at Heroes, he was there, but he wasn't selling pages. He was selling, um, at the time he was doing like a sketch blog with that panels or it was like, 
syndicate or whatever syndicate. Right, right. And it was, you know, yeah. Well, not yeah, yeah. No, not panel syndicate. I I think it was just called syndicate, but spelled with indie in the middle. Um, and and uh, he was a part of that. So each week they did like a a theme, um, and a drawing. So he was selling those, and uh, so I bought those. And and (laughs) I, you know, it was at a time he was. I was like, "Are you selling these?" And he was like, yeah, I was like, sweet. And I just went through the stack and just grabbed them. And I was like, uh, all right, I want like these six or whatever, right? Like how much? And he was just like, uh, I mean, is it going to be expensive? And I was like, oh, how much? And he was like, uh, like $400. And I was like, you, you, you done fucked up, son. <laughs> like, 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 I just start going through the stack more. Um, but yeah, I, I pulled like, all, right now, Jason, I want you because you're a hundred bullets fan, right? Obviously, son. Come on. Yeah, I, I just let me let me make sure that it comes up if you uh, if you Google it. <laughs> oh, just because you, you've been yeah, yeah you've been doing a little head. you've been doing a little braggy brag on your art collection. <laughs> well, so. I'd love to brag about how I have Scotty Young Rocket Raccoon artwork, but somebody you, done no, reneged on me. And there's no reneg. You're gonna have there's there's gonna be tons of work. I'm doing a damn ongoing series. Oh my bad. All right, here, everybody, just look at this link I just put in the window, and uh, just know that this baby lives at my studio. Um, Let's see this right here. So, oh, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, dude. So James Heron, I think, is is um, is just firing on all types of insane cylinders. Yeah, um, he should have been tight and right, dude. Yeah, um, God, it's hard to. Any, no, that's two good ones, man. That's two good ones. Yeah, but I think those two dudes, I mean, James Heron's already crushing it, but I, I still think, you know, he's kind of, you know, he does stuff over in the Miolaverse and stuff like that. So, you know, if you're, if you're into that stuff, then you definitely know who he is. Um, if not, you should definitely go hunt him down. Um, and then we'll see what, we'll see what happens with Daniel over the next couple of years, but go he read Space Mom. on uh, Conan, which was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. Good job. Good job. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> no, look. Let's be, well, let's be honest, right? We we've had other creators on, and a lot of creators don't either have the time or inclination to read a lot of stuff, right? Like, how many, how many, how many like creator guests have we had on that have like been like, oh, I don't read that many comics, or oh, and they don't actually have people we've never heard of. I mean, it's it's. I mean, if we're being honest, it's hard to bring up people that we've genuinely not that familiar with, and so. Right. I think every time Scotty's been on, he's brought up people or works like those anthologies that he, he mentioned to me like a year and a half ago that I wasn't familiar with at the time and it's been high quality. So props. Yeah. I think for me, like, um, I don't know. I'm just such an art junkie, man. Like that, that I can't help but just hunt it down. I mean, I could probably rattle off a billion names, but they just don't do comics or on a regular basis, you know, but, um, my Feedly, which is what I started using once the there Google Reader. Go. Google Reader shut down. Um, I, I probably subscribed to somewhere in the in the in the realm of like eight hundred blogs and really, yeah, and, and tumblers. So Damn. every so pretty much every day when I get to work, there's at least one hundred and fifty posts to scroll through of art, you know, of uh, you know, animators and and concept designers and illustrators and comic book artists and painters and just, I mean, gotta gotta put fuel in the tank, man. Gotta. Uh, Keep keep uh keep the keep the tank full of gas. No doubt. No doubt. 
Sweet. You guys are crashing out. No. No, that's just Jason. <laughs> yeah, this is just sweet. <laughs> no, I'm looking at James Heronart right now, so. Uh, God he, forbid, he God so forbid when you two pick up the conversation for a second. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh I, I thought I thought we were supposed to be here in the now. I didn't know we were allowed to go do some shopping and shit while we're doing the show. That's cool. Hey. All right, because I'll go, I'll go pick up some books from Comixology then. It's one big group like, like, baby. It's like picking football players. Oh, it's <laughs> two weeks, man. We gonna talk about books or? Oh, hey, hey, something that you guys should check out though. Another artist. Um, let me get this big book. You guys need to find it. Um, it's by uh, uh, Matt Chapman, uh, Tyler uh, Shaneline, and Andy Serrano. Andy Serrano. Uh, yeah, Serrano. Uh, and they put out a book called Cosmic Scoundrels and Liberty Justice. And they, they self-published it. It is, it's 11 by 17. Mm. And it's just, you guys will get a kick out of it. I think it's like super cool, cosmic, like really psychedelic, but you know, really thick stock paper. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, oh, think, no, no, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Wasn't that in the back of Elephant Men? It might have been. Because Andy Suriano, you know he does uh, Samurai yeah, Jack. Samurai Jack. Because Suriano's going to be at Heroes, and I was looking at his website, and he was pimping this. Yeah, Suriano did a like a four-page um, strip in the back of Elephant Men. Let me go. Let me see if I can find it. Mm-hmm. I, I, it sounds really familiar to me. Keep talking. No, this looks tight and right. I actually, I just looked at this last week because I was, uh, going through the artist alley list at, uh, Heroes trying to figure out who I wanted to reach out to. Yeah. And Suriano was one of the guys I earmarked. So he's yeah, awesome, dude. He's a super cool dude. Like love him, love him as a person. And then his art, like he's in that, he's in that zone too, where he's just like, he just lays it down, man. Like it's just about conveying that idea and moving on to the next mm-hmm. idea, man. There's, you know, but he's also pretty heavily involved in animation and, and uh, does a lot of animated stuff. That's- yeah, it was in uh, Elephant Men. Uh, Tyler Shaneline yep. and Andy Suriano. Liberty Justice. Yep. Um, she's a she's a dancer. Yep. Yeah, really nice yes. stuff. I was going to go off on this last episode, but I didn't get a chance. Yeah, go to the, go to Andy's site and uh, and uh, you can order that book. It, like I said, it's like eleven by seventeen. It's massive. It's awesome. That's real cool. good stuff, Scotty. Good call, Scotty, buddy. Dude. Boom. <laughs> Goddamn Scotty. Hate him. Love him. Hate him. <laughs> so Vince. So what should we – yes, sir. Have you read – What? A book from 2003. Maybe. By, well, published here, not originally, but, but published in the U.S. by Top Shelf. Ooh. German creator, and I'm probably destroying his name, Marcus Mawil Witzel. No idea if I'm saying it right. Apologies if I'm not. Mm, from 2003, published by Top Shelf. Beach Safari. Yes, I love that book. It's that fucking rabbit. Great goddamn book. It's and awesome. I read it a few weeks ago, and I actually keep not having an opportunity to bring it up, and then I thought a perfect night to bring it up would be when Scotty joins us because I think he would dig it. Yes, there's so much titty in that book, and the the the, the what's the, it called? The, the beach. Well, that's not why I thought you would enjoy it, but yes, there is some titty in the book. What's but, it called? No, the, it's the called way... beach titty. What is it? No, it's, no. Called, <laughs> it's called Beach Safari. Safari. Yeah, it's it's originally it, it, from it's it's originally a German book translated in English here by Top Shelf. 
it's uh it's small it's a, it's a, it's a digest size book it's probably uh, doesn't have page numbers but I'm guessing it's like 80 to 90 pages yeah around there um yeah but and it's a bunch of it's a, Scotty it's a bunch of girls mm-hmm. uh on vacation on a who, beach on a beach so the, the 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 female the figure drawing is amazing topless beach yes and they they just sort of adopt this rabbit who thinks and, he's and stranded the, on an island Right, and the rabbit kind of gets a crush on one of the girls, and inevitably the girls go back home. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, and it, it's just it's like this little bittersweet yeah, tale it's a sweet of, of the love. It's a love story between a rabbit and a human woman. <laughs> but the rabbit's all fucked up because he thinks he's he's washed up on a beach of a deserted island. Yeah. So he has yeah. no idea he's on the beach of like a resort town and he, he, he has no clue. And then the, the girls are gorgeous and doing their own thing and they're kind of teasing him at first and they become friends with them and, and then they kind of break his heart and then he, he, yeah, he, kind of takes, he falls hard. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's this, just this, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. I, I think I bought it this past year in one of the, uh, the annual top shelf sales. Me too. And, um, and, and every now and then I just like to go into my comic room and pick a book out that I've bought that I just know nothing about just to read. And I grabbed this this week and it's, or a couple weeks ago and, and it's just, um, it's, it's just a treat. It's, it's, it's this quirky book that, that doesn't, it defies description. It doesn't fit in any kind of genre. It's just like Vince said, it's about this quirky little rabbit that thinks he's lost on a desert island and comes across these three gorgeous girls. And, uh, and, and that's it. And they spend a few days together and then he moves on. It's, uh, it's just a treat, but, uh, but it's a, it's a very, expressive cartoony style um yeah with uh like it, he interweave like he interweaves these every now and then he kind of he kind of fucks around with us because he 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 brings these really detailed panels into the equation like when there's like big beach waves or like the the seagulls or uh and then you see he's when he wants to be he can be like this really precise draftsman but then oh yeah at other times it's just this just really free flowing energetic almost blocky you know, cartoonish style, and it just—I think it's just a, a beautiful little piece, man. It, yeah. it deserves wider recognition. I just, Scotty, I the, just ordered the, it. The, the, the rabbit, the rabbit is very Trondheim. Do you, do you like yes. Louis Trondheim? Yes. Yeah, the, yes. the rabbit itself is is very yes, Trondheim. But, exactly. And then the the everything else is slightly more detailed, like like Svar and, and Trondheim's Dungeon. It's kind of like that. I was just going to ask if you guys more, have read Dungeon. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah. Am I the, did you guys feel like watched, I don't know if I've talked to you guys about this before, but I was kind of late coming to Adventure Time. Like, you Me know, too, like, bro. I made was, fun of it for a while and now I love it. it, was, it, it was, well, I remember when you made fun of it because I had already come, I had come onto it right, like very recently before that when you were still kind of not like getting it. And, and I came to it and I was like, I wasn't hating on it. I just was like, it's one of those things that crept up and I didn't know it happened. And I was like, what is this adventure time everybody talks about? And so I finally, I bought a season of it and started watching it. And I was like, I see, this is really cool, but this is like straight up dungeon ripoff. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I would call it a ripoff. Oh, dude, but it's, listen, it's similar. I'm saying there are like, I can almost find the tree house. <laughs> Like, <laughs> oh, no. like, no, I'm not saying rip, but listen, at first I felt like that when I first saw it, I was like yeah. almost getting a little mad. Yeah. I was getting a little mad, like, Oh, I'm not happy with this. So I actually Googled like adventure time, uh, dungeon. 
like in, in, in the same thing. And one of the very first interviews that, that, uh, that Pendleton Ward came up with Pendleton Ward, uh, he talks about it in there. He, so I was like, all right, I'm cool. Like, I'm cool with it. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. had I read a lot of stuff and, it, and, and, and dungeon not come up, then I would have been super suspect because it's, mm-hmm. it's got that, it's got the humor. It's got like the, the, the kind of dark humor of, of dungeon. I mean, obviously the flavor of the, the visual flavor of dungeon is just all over the mat, all over it. But had, had, had it, had there been some denying, I would have been a little frustrated. But the fact that it was embraced, I was like, Hey, I'm all about that, man, because it's dungeons amazing. It's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I actually stuff. learned about Dungeon from Phil Hester. Phil, one, it was one time about, um, I want to say 2008 or nine or something like that. Um, I was just, I was, you know, really early on in my Twitter days, uh, I just asked, I think it was 2009, I, I just asked on Twitter one night, like, I was trying to look for some humor comics. And, uh, Phil brought up Dungeon. And I was like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. And I just ordered a stack of them from Amazon and, Man, I, I fell in love instantly. Yeah, that's not, not a stretch. I could tell that now that that's that's your thing. But you know, I wish NBM. Is it NBM? Do they still have Dungeon? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, that's who published I just, those. I wish they would do them the size that they like. Right, the, the original size is like the European yes. size. I have some of those. Actually, uh, Will Pfeiffer found them for me at at a C2E2 one year, and they were like two bucks for the original. European size album, so they, I, I scooped them. Were they in English? N- no. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. When They're I was in French. Yeah. When I was in France, there were. I, when I was in when I was in Paris, I saw them, and then when I was in in Germany, I saw the whole collection, and I was super tempted to grab them, but uh, I I didn't I didn't I didn't grab them all because I, I, I did have the whole collection in English, and I I felt like oh, this, these will just be another stack of books that sit on a shelf that I can't read. And, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think if there was ever a series that was ripe for a, a complete collection, it's it's Dungeon because there's so many different series. Like yeah. there's Dungeon Monsters and Dungeons. You don't like the the an outsider doesn't know where to start. Yeah, it's it's definitely a tough um a tough thing. I mean, uh, luckily there's that little map at the top, you know, at the front of each book or whatever, you know, like the dungeon map that kind of gives you the order of them. Right. But, uh, yeah, it'd be nice if they came out with a big, a big collection of that. It'd be pretty awesome. It, there would be a place on my shelf definitely for that. Do you get, do you but, get, uh, Safar? If you like him, obviously you like Safar, right? Yep. Uh, do you get like any of those sardines in outer space? I get them when I can. Yeah. Whenever I see him solicited, I just, I, I pick them out. Yeah, of the I've got like, yeah. I think I've got five volumes of that, uh, from first second. That's pretty fun. Like, Fun little kids comic. In that same in that same vein. Cool beans. Yeah, yeah. Although Scotty, I'm talking to uh, Daniel Warren right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, he's awesome, yep. man. Moving and shaking. That's our Jason. Trying to get that art. Gotta get it. Gotta get it. Well, you know, oh, wow. once you become friends with like the big, the big stockers like Scotty, you can't afford them anymore. So you gotta like, Take you gotta dig in the crates. Take it easy. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I, I think it's hilarious that Jason Wood of all people <laughs> that he talks about anything he can't afford. <laughs> like he's the baller of all ballers. Oh, I don't shit. even know what he's talking about. Like I, I'm pretty sure you live in a house that like doesn't have anything on the exterior but glass, right? Like it's just straight no, up. No, no. Is your house just straight glass? 
I feel, I feel like you can't. It's like, I feel like, like Billy Joel on the okay, cover of the I album. Visit my house. It's, it's I feel like house. you live in the woods in some sort of like uh never-ending no, never castle story. A modest where, home in, in the woods, as they do. You it's, live in the never-ending stories castle. Unassuming and, little... And anytime little somebody comes, they have to rename... You have to rename your wife to save the kingdom. Well, listen, just well, for the record, I'm having a party in early June... Jay Z is gonna be there, and it's, uh, it's 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 gonna be fun. It's gonna be it to do. When is it? Early when? Early June. Oh. By the way, it, not that this means anything to our listeners because they're all uh not well. I shouldn't say all, but the vast majority are not NFL fans. But uh, I just found out last week that uh, Michael Vick is about to be my neighbor. See, it means nothing to the free throw. Like, I don't know. No, it, it, I, I know who he is because of what he's done. And yeah, so it's. Bro, I I know. It's, I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that because Renee's like, yeah, I'm not sure why Jason would be a football fan or not. I don't know why she's saying she doesn't know why you'd be excited to have him as your name. Well, I mean, because, well, because again, it's, it's a confliction because as much as I despise what he did, Number one, he he actually did serve. A, a, he actually spent time in prison for that, so he did do his time. Number two, he was the starting quarterback for my team for three years, which I've had season tickets for. So, and number three, uh, he's got sons that are exactly my son's age. So the prospect of having his son play on my son's football team is fairly intriguing, if I'm being candid. So, <laughs> so yeah, but you know, there you go. But, but back to Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, you know it's tough to scoop. You're right. It's tough to scoop Scotty on art because one, I I read a uh, a graphic album and one, and I got really hyped and and I loved it and and I said to I I, I sent t- Scotty a, a direct DM on the Twitter. I said, man, you got to check out this Bubbles and Gondola. This 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 delay guy is awesome. And he goes, come on, son. I, I have that for about two years. So I was like, oh, hey, my bad. I'm backing off. Oh my god, this is funny. And but then I I got the chance to tell him about the his most recent book, which Scotty didn't have what, at the time. Which one was that? Oh yeah, the, uh, oh, the Betty's Blues. Yeah, the Betty's Blues one. The Betty's yeah. Blues was good. And th- then I did I tell you about the other one? Um, mm, no. Uh, there's the bubbles. There's the bubbles one, but then there's another one, wh- like a, about a little bird and a bear. I do. I don't uh, have that. That one's amazing. That was the best one, um, and it's super. It is a super emotional story. Who's this by? Uh, what's Renault Delay? Yeah, just Google him. What? Uh, how do you say his name? Or how do you spell Renault his name? Delay? D i l l i e s. R e n a u d. Wait, what is it again? First name, R-E-N-A-U-D, Renault. Last name, D-I-L-L-I-E-S. I'm thinking yes. it's Renault. Oh, uh, Ablard. A-B-E-L-A-R-D. Oh, uh, you can get it on Comixology, too, if you want it. Um, but that is my favorite one. It's about a wow. little bird that goes on a, on a, on a little quest, uh, meets this bear. It is uh, amazing. Super amazing. I don't have that yeah, one. Get that one, dude. You'll love it. So it's a slacker, Vince. <laughs> yeah, that's me. What did you, what you mentioned something the other day. I feel like you talked about something the other day, maybe on Facebook or something. 
I don't know. Well, Vince is oh, on I the throw, Facebook now. It's his new thing. So yeah, I throw so much art up on the Facebook. It's crazy. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe you had face. Maybe you put art up there, and I was all on the art on that job. Because you did, you did like something of mine. Take yeah. it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, we want to bring this baby home. Let's well, I mean, are we going to talk? All right, I'm just saying. No, it's you aren't talking about any comics. I talked about a comic. You didn't. Well, we had a, a very important guest. No, there. I know that, but you could throw a comic out there. I mean, I'm going to do that for my in your travels. Okay. No, that, I'm going to throw it out. Throw, throw it out hard and strong. Uh, as usual, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. Get your comics. Get them fast. Get them cheap, most importantly. And get them delivered right to your door. They are the very best. DCBService.com. In your travels. Far and away, my favorite book currently being published. I, I wait. I wait for this. Every, I don't know if it's a monthly or bi-monthly, but I wait for every new issue since reading the first. Lars, I please. read this. No, I read the second. The third, the third one came out today. It's published by Oni, written by Mr. Rick Spears, drawn by James Callahan, uh, colored by Luigi Anderson. It's the auteur. Mm. I, I adore this friggin' book. Uh, like we said, it, it's about a, uh, film producer, uh, named Nathan T. Rex trying to make a movie because he had a couple of very, very expensive bombs, filled a, filmed a trilogy at once, sunk about, you know, half a billion dollars into it and they bombed and now he's looking for a way out of the, the hole he's in. So he decides to make a serial killer movie called President's Day and he actually petitions the help of a real life serial killer named Darwin to get the thing, give the thing some authenticity. The book is crazy. It, it, it's just, you, you, you read it and you do not literally do not know what is going to happen next. Uh, in the second issue, he tries to get Darwin cleared of all the charges against him. They, they can't get Darwin for any one of the murders except one. They found a hair because the guy is so meticulous in his in his killing that he doesn't leave any trace behind they found one hair in a trunk on on a murder and they're they're using that single hair to pin the murder on him and try and get him put away and uh T-Rex takes it upon himself to be his his um defense at the trial because he bought a license the day before the trial he he paid off somebody and bought a license and it's just this, the antics that happen in the courtroom and it's nuts. The, the, there's parodies of like pop culture in here. When T-Rex gets out of the limo, like Britney, he flashes a nut and mm. it, it's, it's so stupid, but it's also hyper violent. Like they show Darwin at work and it, it's, it's, uh, uh, a takeoff on to a certain extent of psycho and the, you know, the, the girls in the shower and there's titty and there's nudity in it and he comes in and just, he chops her to bits with a machete and everything is shown. Like he slices her arm off and it's just raw baby. And it's in the, I got to say it's kind of in the Jeff Darrow quietly camp, the art. It's a clean line, but it's very detailed, Uh but it's cartooning too. So it's, it's, it's not extremely detailed to the point where there's shit going on everywhere. The, the cover is a shows Godzilla dressed as uh justice with the scales while he's destroying the city 
you know, blind Godzilla as blind Justin destroying a city. It's just an amazing, just freeform book, and I love every issue of it. I think it's the best thing being published right now. It's crazy. It, it's it's foul. There's there's profanity in it. There's you know toilet humor. It just speaks to me on on every level that is me. It's a, it's really offensive, and I love it because it's offensive, and it's really well done too. Really well done. Have Have any of you read it? No, I have not. Uh, it's on. It's been on my radar. I think I may have. I may have bought the first issue, but I hadn't read it yet. Yeah, I'm thinking you'll dig it, Scotty. Yeah. It's your humor. Yeah, yeah. And you're you're gonna groove on the art too. Rude. Take it away. Uh, I've well, um, I will go ahead with uh, first issue. Actually, two new first issues. Um, Future's end, right? No, and I kind of <laughs> there before. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna preface this by when. As I read Future's <laughs> End, as I bitch about Future's End, I, I, I've said this before, and it is, it's, for me, I am, it, it, it's, it's from a place of love because these are characters that I've, I've grown up with and I'm not, I don't own them. I'm not saying they're being mistreated. It, it, it's the new 52. So these are, these are they're different characters. Of- than the ones I grew up with. So they're going to change. But when, when I got to the end of that first issue, I was looking for the rest of it. It, it ended with, it should have been a bang and it so wasn't. So I, I just kind of hope they may decide to pick up the pace a little bit as we get into these 11 months that, that this series is, is going to take. Um, you talking about zero or I'm one? I'm talking you about one. Issue one proper. Issue one proper. Okay. okay. Um, so I'm not going to talk about something that I, I, I wanted to enjoy, even though I, I, I wasn't thrilled by the first zero issue. I wanted to read something that I wanted to talk. I got a kick. I got a kick out of your, your, your message, man. I hope this thing picks up. I do. <laughs> I, that's exactly what I said, man. Um, but I will Ain't say <laughs> the, uh, I enjoyed it. I'm going to, um, and, and when did, I guess we'll find out in five years in the future, but why is, why is Ronnie Raymond a dick? Cause he's a major dick. Yeah. I mean, it's like, so in any case, uh, first issue. Never understood the, uh, obsession with Firestorm. I'm, I'm oh, a big Firestorm fan because yeah. of Pat Broderick mostly. Uh, but yeah, no, that was, uh, that, that was a sweet spot for me with the whole, um, crisis and 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 legends and yeah, there's just a whole lot of uh and and felicity from arrow is the uh it has ties to the firestorm comic but um deadly hands of kung fu Ooh. Is, yes uh has has art by uh the phenomenal uh jason's boy it's uh yeah. it, it's drawn by uh tan and what what? And, okay. uh, and it, it is, it, it looks great, but it's written by, uh, Mike Benson and covers by, um, Dave Johnson. First issue is pretty cool, neat little setup. There's, uh, there's, there's a mystery that, uh, Shang-Chi is, 
decides that that he's going to go solve its present day. He's a member of, the, of, of Hickman's Avengers, and, and he's on assignment from Captain America to kick off the issue. Uh, then he's given some news, and, and that's where um, the main story goes. And, uh, and and we'll continue into the next issue. I had to send Renee a, 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 the cover of issue two because uh, Misty Knight is on it. Biggest day. But the other first issue... Uh, was, I, I expected it to be good because of the writer, uh, and because of the characters in the comic. It's uh, written by Greg Rucka, art by someone who I am not familiar with at all, uh, Russell Dowderman, and it is Cyclops number one. And this was... Stunned that you would read that. Are you? Right? Because mm-hmm. it's just, it's, yeah. just, it's everything that I hate about. <laughs> uh, but it immediately, you know, it's like, it's like minutes or maybe a day or two after, uh, after the events from the child, the trial of Jean Grey, uh, where Scott, young, displaced Scott, uh, left, uh, the Weapon X facility to, uh, go hang with dad. And that, um, this, Ruckus sets everything up so that, you know, this is, this is who the characters are. Uh, this is what I have planned for this series. These are the stories I want to tell because they, uh, the issue ends with Corsair and, uh, and Scott in a ship and Scott's dad is like, all right, I'm going to punch in some courses and, and, uh, there's going to be like half a dozen or so places, some of the galaxy's finest that, uh, that I want to show you. So, you know, there's course laid in and, and so we know that they are, there's going to be some adventures. It's not like they're just floating in space trying to get to know one another. There, 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 there's a reason, uh, for, I'll say there's a reason for this series from, from, from what I can gather from this first issue. So I definitely, Recommend it, and and it looks great. I I, I was really impressed at, uh, at at how clean and and neat um, everything looked, especially with the rest of the Star Jammers in it. Uh, I would definitely recommend Cyclops number one, and I need to do it in your travels from my wife uh, because she um, we're going to do her her audition demo tape. So she could be the fourth co-host. Oh, snap. And, and, uh, and so she's like, all right, well, tell me something I need to read or that you could recommend. And she is a huge Strangers in Paradise fan. And, um, my girl. Yeah. But, and she, she wasn't keen on Echo because of the whole science fiction element of it. So I'm like, well, you know, he, there, there is another book, uh, that he started a while ago called Rachel Rising. And she kind of, and, and I know I've mentioned this book to her before. And I'm like, well, basically, uh, girl wakes up in woods after she's been killed and she's like, Oh really? So she's all into it. She like plowed through the first three or four books, uh, issues and, and she, um, she's reading them on her Kindle. She keeps hitting next, next issue, download, read. And, and I'm up. I, I told her, I said, I'm, I only have like the first 11 or 12 or so issues. So, uh, tonight before we recorded, uh, I, Downloaded up to 
uh, number 24. So, yeah, so thanks for that $5 credit, Comixology. But, uh, so they're in the library now. And, and I need to reread some of the earlier issues because she's throwing characters at me that I don't. I mean, I, I remember Rachel, I remember Jet, but, but she's throwing some other things out there where I'm like, yeah, I don't remember that dude's name. So, um, but she's, she's really, really digging it. So I think we'll have something to, we'll definitely have something to talk about on the drive home. But, uh, yeah, so in your travels, read Rachel Rising. Nice. Very chatty back. I am, right? Well, I mean, you might as well. I waited till the end. I didn't want to step on Scotty. He's the guest. (laughs) He's he's taller than you anyway. He is. (laughs) Slightly. Uh, It's true. And I I guess for once, uh, Y goes after W, so I'm not going last. Um, So in your travels, first of all, uh, to David's point, Russell Dowderman um, actually was the uh, artist behind Superbia. Which I talked about from Boom. Um, okay. Which is that, that parody of, you know, the, basically the wives, like real housewives of, of superheroes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yes, I did not read that, but yes, I will check it yeah, out. Yeah. Definitely got some chops. I met him at C2E2. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. Real nice dude. Yeah. Definitely. Um, uh, in your travels, you should most definitely, um, pre-order if you haven't already. The first issue and then continue to buy thereafter, uh, by Marvel Comics, Rocket Raccoon, uh, by Mr. <laughs> Scotty Young, written and drawn by. If you haven't seen the preview art, there's a, uh, basically a giant intergalactic wrestling match, which is ridiculous. <sighs> yeah. So props to Scotty for that. Um, and then I guess my official in your travels would be a book which I hope to talk about, um, at some point down the road, uh, which I had the great privilege of finally reading. This week, uh, another, uh, top shelf book. And this one, uh, I believe is up for an Eisner or two this year. And that is March book one, um, by Congressman John Lewis, um, Andrew Aiden with art by Nate Powell. Uh, and basically John Lewis is, uh, he's currently a, uh, elected U.S. representative from the state of Alabama, but he has been involved in the civil rights movement from the jump. He helped, uh, basically, uh, he, he was one of the main, um, forces behind the, uh, the march on DC back in the day. Um, and this book by Top Shelf chronicles his early life and the struggles that he dealt with to sort of break free of the, the very racist world he started out in. And, uh, it's, it's really, a tour de force. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, it would put it to you this way. It's, this book is going to have a hard time being displaced in my, uh, 11 o'clockers for, uh, you know, best nonfiction book. In spite of the fact that it came out last year, I just didn't get around to reading it last year, but, uh, but it's, it's pretty impressive stuff. So, um, and it's book one. So I think there are more books coming, uh, of his life, but, uh, John Lewis is a fascinating man that, that more people should, should know his story than do. So, um, I commend it to your attention. Nice. Cool. To my turn? Got Scotty. Yeah. I am going to keep, since I, since I threw out Daniel's, um, webcomic space mullet, um, as a thing to check out, I'm going to keep it in the webcomic zone. Um, and I'm going to say, go read. I, mean, I hope I haven't said this on the show before, but anyway, go read a webcomic called Skatey. Nope. 
Yeah. Um, S K A D I, uh, dot com, uh, by Katie Rice and, uh, Luke Cormican. Cormican? I don't know. I don't know how to say his last name, but, um, I'm going to go through. I, I'm feeling, Vince, you're, you're killing, you're rubbing off on me, dude. Skatey <laughs> uh, is, you will love Skatey if you like, um, Gru. Uh, yeah. If you like Gru, um, or any of that kind of, uh, barbarian stuff, uh, comedy driven stuff, you will love this. It's, uh, it's kind of like a female barbarian, uh, who has been cursed to roam the land until she eats the flesh of every beast. Lovely. Um, so it's just, uh, Katie Rice is an incredible cartoonist that just, uh, it's super funny. Um, just wild kind of rompy, uh, adventure quest stuff. Uh, sometimes it'll be one page gag. Sometimes it'll be a five page little mini story you know so it kind of goes in and out and it's it's been going i think i don't know how how long it's let me see uh it's on page whatever i'm not gonna find out but it's been going for for at least 2009 2010 or something like that and um katie also did you know penny arcade did that strip search uh show last year where they kind of did like an online reality show similar to what we're used to where they have where, you know, people go live in a house and have a competition and every week somebody gets kicked off the show. Uh, they did that for web cartoonists. Um, they brought them all out to Seattle, uh, brought, you know, they, they had a, they had a house. Um, they each week they would have kind of a challenge and the two bottom of the challenge would then go into a studio and, uh, have to make up a strip in a, you know, a two hour, two period while the two penny arcade guys sat there and, t- and gave him shit and talked shit to him. And, um, and the winner got, uh, an office up at the penny arcade offices and a strip on the penny arcade site and kind of a job there at penny arcade doing their thing or whatever. So Katie was actually the winner of that. Um, and she was already doing skatey. But then she won that and ha- also does a webcomic called Camp We Don't Want Ya. Um, I think it's at campcomic.com. And that premise is, um, you know, some kids got taken to camp and then they're, you know, the parents never came back. So these kids just live at camp, kind of like Lord of the Flies kind of thing, um, forever. <laughs> uh, she's got a real, uh, wicked sense of humor mixed with some fantastic cartooning. So, uh, Skady and, and Camp We Don't Want You are two pretty fine reads. Camp We Don't Want You is fairly new. That's why I didn't want to go with that first. So there's, you could read that, but you'll, you'll make it through it pretty quick where Skady's been going for many years. So you've got a lot to read there. And I find things like Skady to be perfect things to jump into if you've had a long day and you don't really, you know, you don't really have it in you to, to dive in and do a full issue or start a trade or anything. But you you want to do a little reading things like things like Skatey or something. It's just perfect because you can you know read five pages and get a get a kick out of it, or read three pages and fall asleep or whatever you know. So it's uh it's really fun stuff. Sounds awesome. Yeah, man. I'm gonna check it out for sure. Yeah. Thanks, Scotty. Mm-hmm. 
Scotty's always got his finger on that pulse. Yeah, he does. I'm just a big geek, man. I just love this stuff. 800 blogs Nothing and wrong. shit. Yeah, dude. Nothing wrong with that. You should sell your list, like your OPML <laughs> list. Just sell it. I'm pretty gangster. Mm, I don't know if I'm that gangster. <laughs> that's great. Alright, everybody. Hey, thanks for being here with us this week. We gotta sca- thank our, our buddy Scotty Young for, for, uh, putting up with us for a couple hours. For C. And we hope that you will do the same thing next week. Same place you found this, you'll find next week's episode because, uh, we love you so much. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. Yeah, the truth. That's right. As usual, say goodnight, David. Goodnight, David. Bye. So. Peace. Thanks, Connie. <laughs> the real hip hop. <laughs> Sing me to sleep. Sing me to sleep. I'm tired and I, I want to go to bed. Sing me to sleep. Sing me to sleep.
tonight.